0: Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
1: Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit carvana.com today.
2: Welcome to episode 531 with my guests, uh, Andrea Allen and Emily Lubin. Uh, They do a podcast called The Hot Mess Comedy Hour. And uh, a note about this episode, when we originally recorded it, we were recording me being a guest on their podcast and then there was so much kind of back and forth we decided to release this as a joint episode of us kind of both interviewing each other um so go fuck yourself I don't know why all of a sudden I felt judged by you and I lashed out I don't know what the hell that is about my name Is Paul Gilmartin, and this is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads, from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist, it's not a doctor's office, it's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show and the social media handles are mentalpod. That would be mentalpod.com. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I hate having to do the boilerplate stuff. Please subscribe to the podcast. If you want to donate, go to... (laughs) Let's read some surveys. We got a new survey up uh, called Ask Paul Anything. And Bill... Asks what have you learned the most from doing the show, and I'd say that there's no one thing that I've I've learned the most, but I can list some of the things that I have learned a lot about. I've learned a lot about the experiences of uh, trans people, non and all non-binary people. Um, I've I've learned the appropriate language to use. Um, I have learned a lot about people's sexual fantasies, um, especially women. Um, uh, I have learned that there is a shitload of incest out there, especially between, uh, siblings. Uh, I think we all kind of knew that there was the, you know, father-daughter uh, incest, but I uh, was also shocked to find out how often uh, there's incest between uh, the mother and the son, and the mother and the daughter, and that it's never or rarely uh, overt. It's usually covert, um, and I learned that that's what I experienced as a as a kid, and uh, that was. <laughs> It was not fun. I I learned that a lot of people when driving to work uh, want to veer into oncoming traffic so they don't have to deal with their problems. Uh, I learned that people will go to incredible lengths to minimize the abuse that happened to them from, from caregivers. Um, and I also learned that we can... Have compassion for somebody who has experienced what we have experienced, but we really struggle to give that same compassion to ourselves and feel like we should just suck it up and move on. So I would say those are the those are the main things. But thank you for your question. This is from the Back in Time survey figure uh, f- filled out by a woman who calls herself Figuring It Out in my thirties. And she writes, I would go back to when my only sexual education was through my church's high school youth group. Uh, I would tell myself so many things, that my body was nothing to be ashamed of, and as long as I continue to love and respect myself and others, it wasn't my problem what other people thought about it, that sex was something women wanted and enjoyed, in parentheses, not just men, and that my high sex drive was normal and healthy that staying a virgin wouldn't gain me a perfect marriage or any marriage, and that, quote, purity culture would result in sexual dysfunction for many of my married friends, that men are not mindless sexual monsters, and women are not mindless sexual objects. I have a pretty healthy sex drive, uh, in parentheses, high, but I didn't even realize women had sex drives until I was in my mid-20s, and it had, t- it had taken a decade to begin to heal from the lies I, quote, happily believed for so long. I wished I could have entered my 20s understanding just how beautiful and complicated my sexuality is. That is awesome. That is awesome. Thank you for that. We are sponsored today, as always, by betterhelp.com online therapy. That's better, H E L P. Uh, if you've never tried online therapy, what the hell are you waiting for? Get on your computer and check it out. I've been doing it for a couple of years. And I, as I say every week, I'm a big fan of it. I don't have to leave my house. I can cry right there in my recliner. I can even suck my thumb. I can suck my thumb in front of my therapist. That's how non-judgmental she is. But I usually wait until, until we disconnect and then I suck my thumb. Sorry for that image. Uh, if you are interested in trying online therapy, and by the way, they are licensed in all 50 states, uh, go to betterhelp.com slash mental. Make sure you include the slash mental part so they know you came from the podcast. And then fill out a questionnaire. And if they have a counselor that they feel is a good fit for you, they will match you up with one and you can experience a free week of counseling to see if it is your thing. And you need to be over 18 all right, one more survey before the uh, the interview with the Hot Mess Girls. Uh, this was uh, from the FEARS survey filled out by Brittany Jean 81, and she writes, I have been an IV meth user for almost a year. The amount of meth I inject in a day is enough to kill someone. I have encountered hardened addicts of 20-plus years that have said I am insane for being able to consume that amount and then go to work. In parentheses, keep in mind, I've been fired from the last two jobs. I fear overdosing all alone in my apartment and my corpse being the only thing for the animals to eat. In parentheses, that last part made me laugh because I'm able to see how ridiculous and irrational my untreated alcoholism that is now manifesting with a fancy meth addiction can make me think. I am full of fear. But I also just printed an application for a residential treatment center, and I know in my heart I will be okay if my heart doesn't explode. Why do you need to exaggerate right out of the gate? Legendary. We just like
0: to set the bar impossibly high Uh to see how you're going to handle it. So,
2: this needs to be a legendary episode of the podcast.
0: If it's not, then get the fuck out. I mean,
2: I don't, this is a lot of pressure.
0: Yes.
1: Well, you're a man, so perform, Paul. (laughs) Perform. (laughs) You're supposed to perform under
2: pressure. Let me go take a podcast pill, Uh (laughs) throw a football through a tire, and then. I wish yeah.
0: they did make podcast Viagra. Yeah, because I think, I think I, weed is aren't podcast we drinking Viagra. it right yeah. now? Mm, very, we're, we're, very we're true.
2: Caffeinating right now.
0: Yeah, our performance enhancement I feel like could
1: help a lot of people. What caffeine and weed I think is podcasting pills. It opens you I can't up. I can not smoke weed before
0: doing this. My um, mind, my reaction time is slower. Yeah, and I feel like my reaction time is already. Like, I I select my words very carefully. Yeah, so when i So when I'm high, it's 10 times stretch Starts to get worse. dumbed down.
1: Yeah. Oh, good. I'm going to start drinking again to even you out.
2: Do so you guys do stand-up? <laughs> yes. Have you ever been high doing stand-up?
1: I
0: can't do it. It's yes. the worst. Can't it's do it. The worst. But, you know, I know that some people can handle it yeah. and perform well. I, I think of it the same way that I think of drinking because some people... They have a couple drinks, and their act is incredibly sloppy. But I like to have a drink or whatever before going on. I feel like it loosens me up, and it makes me more charismatic. So I think it's just, you know, case everybody handles it differently. Here's the thing. I used to, I no longer drink, uh,
1: and I used to drink before I went on stage to get the confidence. It was also, mm. like, playing into my alcoholic, weird connection. Like, I got to drink and be raw. And I'm like... I'm Hemingway. I'm a cool. Exactly. Um, And so when I stopped drinking, I started to smoke weed to try to replace it and do that. But drinking kind of revved me up. I was sloppy. Like, it wasn't good. But yes. weed turns me into this dumbass, like, dude I'm totally high right now and I think I saw a video of myself and I was like oh never again yeah no 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 I didn't make this huge change in my life to then shift over to being an idiot in another way like no thank you
2: bragging about partying does not age well
0: no not at all it's acceptable up to a certain point and then it very quickly becomes sad
1: yeah it's like when I was saying to you the other day that I wanted to get hair extensions (laughs) so I had to share Level hair, and you were like Andrea at a certain age. That starts to look really weird. Yeah, and I was like, have I passed it? I'm. <laughs> Nobody tells you. No, that's and why yeah. that
2: Amy Schumer sketch is so funny about yes. the uh, the last day that you're fuckable.
1: Yes. It's- oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to start working on other skill sets, man. Yeah. Life is about giving, diversifying your offerings as you shift as a human being. Yes. Yeah, and, if-
2: and that's not to say that her sketch wasn't satirizing mm-hmm. the objectification of of women, mm-hmm. but it, both same subject matter.
0: It's but hitting I, a but point. I lo- but I loved that sketch because I loved how all the women we're so happy about not being fuckable anymore because mm-hmm. the pressure was off. Like yeah. now we can actually just be who we are mm-hmm. and not worry about being seen through the male gaze. Yeah. Yes. Sh- show's
2: over folks. Let yourself out.
0: Ugh, no more makeup, hair in a ponytail. Let your freak Getting flag fly.
2: <laughs> is there, is there any feeling better than after a good show and it's just quiet
0: Oh, and yeah. and you're
2: just by yourself mm-hmm. it's do you have a difficult time holding a conversation with somebody right after a really long set
0: um if the adrenaline was really high then then yeah i have a tough time transitioning from like high energy situations to low energy situ- situations yeah my experience with it is that
1: I am so, especially if I'm producing a show too, if I'm worried about everything going well, the anxiety beforehand, then it goes well and there's this relief. And I'm like, I just want to be alone in this moment right now because this is literally what I do this for is this little catharsis right afterwards. I don't want to small talk with you right now. It's not about you. It's about like my ego feels very good right now. It takes a lot of energy to get to this spot. So let me enjoy it. Yeah, there's
2: like this decompression that, that mm-hmm. needs to, to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was it's watching like
1: postcoital coital an... joy. <laughs>
0: You're like, like it really I just is. need to nap right now. Stop talking.: yes. to me. Don't touch
1: me.:
2: Yes. Mm.
0: Just need a cigarette and an animated movie. Yes.:
2: I was uh, reading an interview, and Michael Stipe said that it takes him about two months after being on tour to be able to really focus in on a conversation like when he's at yes. a dinner party.: Wow: And I thought, "Wow.
0: Two the, months is—that's a lot of lead-up time. It is a lot. Yeah, is a little, time. Well, it's
2: Michael Stipe. Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> we've been in LA now. I've been in LA for a month, um, and Emily's been here for a week. And we live in New York, obviously. And I feel like I have been living this crazy performer lifestyle, vagabond. Like I'm doing podcasts. I'm driving around in a car with you. I never know where the fuck I am. It's very exciting. That being said, I want to go home to new york and sleep for a week just because i'm like i did everything i i came out here to do it was really exciting it was also incredibly stressful and i just want to i need a little i need a little reprieve
2: what was stressful about it
1: um i was fish out of water that's what it was like in new york i'm very comfortable within my scene i know everybody i kind of know where i like stand quote unquote with people um and I know what New York comedy audiences are like. I know what most New York podcasters are like. I have a, a wide comfort zone here. And I think it's a good thing. I think you should always push yourself out of your comfort zone. There's no way you're going to grow if you don't do that. Right. That being said, I still am like, I don't know these new people. I don't know what LA comics think about me. I don't know. Am I going to be good on this show? What's the show like? It All yes. this doubt of like, you feel like you're back at square one again.
2: It sounds uh, yeah like that feeling in high school.
0: Yes. Where yeah. do I
2: fit in? Do Am I cool enough? Like Am I loved? Am yeah. I hated?
0: Oh my god. Yeah, and having to juggle all these different scarves of anxiety, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking that It That is it takes such in- a great phrase. Yeah. Well, thank you. It takes an incredible amount of energy. Yeah,
1: I was freaking out. When you, Emily arriving, and this is like our codependency is just ramping up as the, our years of friendship continue, but I felt so much better when she arrived because now I'm going through all this stuff but I have you to like witness it with me and make comments and ground me like hey was that person weird or did you feel mm. weird like it's just it's just having a co-pilot in a in a totally new um environment I can do it without her hopefully I uh. mean
2: isn't that really life it's just yeah. so much better to have a shared experience uh-huh. and get out of your fucking head yes. and be like, Oh, Dude, this can that be, weird? right? That yeah. This can be a connective experience uh-huh. rather than something that I have to somehow label sure. on my own and then spend the rest of my time ruminating on whether or not I labeled it correctly.
1: Yeah. Was yeah. that weird? Well, I mean, we were talking earlier about experiences were unpleasant experiences with people or even not even unpleasant. Like, but say I, I've been on a few podcasts out here. I, I'm like, I don't know if we're, we're, we're jiving well. I think that we are, but I, I don't have a f- full understanding of, of how you're feeling. And so afterwards you build this whole backstory in your head oh of like, God, you what too. they thought. And was, when I said this, did they think this and that that's why? And are they going to tweet and blah, 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 blah. Like it's just this whole crazy psychotic carnival that's happening in my brain. But the thing is, I'm never gonna know. It's it's like a a lover when you break up and, and you don't know how they felt in the end, you're never going to. Or what they're gonna say to other people. Yes. That's the well, that
2: is the worst. Are and, you
1: the crazy person in their story?
0: Right? The way are you the every, example of
2: what not to get into?
0: Uh, yeah. Everybody I think, or mostly everybody, is the crazy person in somebody's story. Oh, I'm the crazy person. Whether it's a drive by, stories. you know, one night stand experience, this person, you know, wanted to have sex with her dog watching. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking from experience. Okay, or anything. Um, this person kept crying about their
1: ex. Weirdly, this person <laughs> was punching himself in the head when they came. Not that that's from personal
0: experience. Yeah, but that to me, that if are that's both are
2: these both things that?
0: Oh, these are all real things. Yeah, these are all real. But, but, I mean, the punching in the head, I think, if somebody's doing that, then that strikes me as something he would be doing often. And he's the crazy person in many people's stories. But, like, even things that are not that severe. Mm -hmm.
2: And somebody wanted to have the dog watch? Is that it? Yeah.
0: Like, wouldn't, like, the dog. I'm
2: not not judging. I'm just always fascinated by the things that turn people on. You can judge it. Yes.
0: I'm not. Honestly, I'm not. It's not that he wanted the dog to watch. It's that the dog was clearly in distress and wanted to be taken outside. And he didn't like have the the thought that like, okay, the dog doesn't want to like sit here and, and watch, watch. This
1: human fuck show going yeah, down. Yeah.
0: While while it's like suffering and wanting to be paid attention to and wanting to be taken outside. Mm. So that then made me uncomfortable And yeah. and he'll be dog guy forever to forever. you yeah. Forever Yeah Forever mm-hmm. And I'm sure You know I'm not saying anything about His Sorry, relationship with the dog I'm sure he's very nurturing In other I don't know words.
1: about
2: this I,
0: You know I don't know I don't know It it
2: sounds to me like he just didn't want to stop.
0: Yeah, and the dog
2: in that moment was like, "You need to shit on the floor, shit on the floor." Yeah, Yeah. and I
0: get that side of it too. I'm not telling anybody that you shouldn't fuck if you want to fuck.
2: Do you think he was afraid that if he went to take the dog out and came back, you would have changed your mind? Yeah, you. I would have climbed out
0: the window and down the the drain pipe. Yeah, Uh, that's. I, that's I, I think yeah, like he thought interrupting it would mean that. It, it might not take happen. Take me out of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same reason why a lot of people skip condoms. I mean, I I don't know a lot. <laughs> you know, I you think hear a lot too. Yeah, yeah. you hear about this all the time. Of- like it's a it's a. I don't want to disrupt the mood. I don't want to take a break. And but it's like. You gotta. You're already here. Yeah, we're already yes. doing this. Nobody's like a condom. What the fuck? You're gonna take two minutes to yourself. To- some people are like that. Though. Really? Yeah, a lot of. I've had a lot of men like that because, especially at, like
1: some older men that I've slept with who don't like to use condoms the condom comes up and then it's like this weird negotiation now that's happening. And we've spoken about this in the past. When I was younger, I just used to be like, Oh, okay, that's cool. And I, you seem trustworthy and like, it's not a big deal. What are, and, and now it's like, yes, you're putting that on or this yeah. is not but happening.
2: Non-negotiable. How close in numbers do you think? Uh, the number of sk- skipped condoms mm-hmm. is to, uh, damage children.
0: Oh, I think it's a one to one that's a relationship Fascinating yeah. question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gotta be like
1: I don't think all damaged children are skipped condoms, but I think, I think all condoms... skipped condoms are damaged children. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Because yes. yeah. <laughs> it's two adults who can't negotiate having sex. You're now gonna raise a fully healthy human being. I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. Let Uh, me just say the two abortions that I had with skip condom situations, you're welcome, society, because that kid (laughs) would have been such a fucking mess. Like, I really do feel as if it was the more responsible thing to do for everybody involved. And some people, some people, whenever I people give me grief or ask me questions about my abortions. I'm I'm always like, so you would rather that I just had a kid and ruin my life. That's your view? Like, that can't and be potentially logical. their lives. Yes. yes.
2: Raise them with a y- with yawning a shitty, emptiness uh, yeah. inside them.
1: A shitty ex-heroin addict that was cheating on me? Part pass. I
0: don't want to bring that
1: kid into the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> speaking of, you know, connective mm. experiences. Great segue. And sharing stuff with people and, and uh, shitty ex-boyfriends, and shitty
1: ex-boyfriends. <laughs> what a, we landed on a cloud <laughs> you're a pro Paul you you drove us right to our our uh, story this week which is um Emily and I both have exes who are I would say quote-unquote big exes is that the way to label them I like that yeah they're people like there's exes that you have, I feel, where the relationship was fine. It was short. You look back on it fondly. Yeah. There's no, no longing or It wasn't hard passionate or dramatic in any way. It was kind of an, uh, just a little experience with another person. And then there's exes where catastrophe reigns over you, and it takes a long time to recover from it, and feelings are hurt. And these men were both that for us.
0: For different. Was, I would say there was some hurt
1: feelings. Oh, I would say years of, of trying to move past this stuff. My ex was the one who, I believe, if you listen to the episode with Molly Austin, if you want a, a reference to that breakup, I, we recorded a podcast right after and I was fucked up about it. Um, cause he had taken on another girlfriend. We had kind of an open thing, but, It was not discussed and then when I asked about it it was like oh I have another girlfriend I'm glad you asked and so it was like whoa okay that's new information and we had to break up I had to break up because I need to like protect myself from that I didn't feel comfortable Had, had
2: you had a discussion about having an open relationship
1: we had it was it was it was dumb early 20s shit that was happening so there had been half
0: conversations
2: mm-hmm.
1: so when we that's
2: st- enough yes that's enough for i feel somebody I f- that- for
0: major assumptions yes there are right. a lot of assumptions going on totally and and i have to own my half of it because i'm
2: saying in the mind of of him for yes. totally. a horny guy in his 20s sure yeah,
1: yeah. sure i have to always like if I, if I leave a relationship that, that is damaging or hurts my feelings, I always like to take inventory of my part of it because that's the only thing you can control. So when I started dating him, he had just come out of a bad relationship, myself as well. It was casual. We were both like, we're fucked up. It, let's just have fun. And no, we don't need to be dating. Everything's, we're both work in progress human beings right now. And that was great for a time. Then like six months into it, he just, he would he was struggling with some mental health problems he also like he just wanted to hook up and be like a free dude, and I get that, but I was like, "Hey, listen, it's been six months. I just we connect on an emotional level. It's really cool, but I'm worried about like continuing down this road of ambiguity ambiguity with you mm-hmm. because this is going to hurt my feelings somehow. I'm going to continue to grow attached to you. I think we need to break up now because." I don't, I see where this is going and the end doesn't look good. And he was like, no, uh, let's stay together. We'll make sure to spend more quality time together. He kind of like leveled up a little bit to, to stay with me. And I accepted that I wanted to stay with him. It's kind of the answer I wanted to hear enough of the answer that I wanted to hear. Then, there's some conversation like we met on a dating app, and he was like, "Oh, I deleted the dating apps," and I was like, "Oh, is that your like 24 year old way of being like I'm not really pursuing other things?" You're such
0: a prince, <laughs> right? You deleted the dating apps. I know. I was really
1: like, "Oh my god, he's committing to me!" Hold on, let me run to the trophy shop.
0: Sure. Right. Oh, what you are did- you doing on June 28th? Because uh-huh. we're getting married I'm now. Introduce you to my parents. Mama's getting you- married
1: because <laughs> you deleted Tinder. Like it was such a small conversation, but I clung on to it a little bit because that's what I wanted from him at that point. Um, or I just, I want, I liked what we had and I was, I was willing to deal with the uncertainty of it because I really was falling for this person and I wanted them in my life. Cut to, he makes a comment about Tinder a few months later and I'm like, well, I thought you don't, del- I thought you deleted the date. Like what's going what on? What about all those
0: apps? We yeah, said were deleting. I thought deleting. you were just
1: throwing them out the window. And so I was like, okay. Now is the time that I ask you because there's we're a year and a half in. We've been doing this weird thing. There's dating apps are deleted. Now I'm back on. Like I need to know where I stand. So I was like, hey, I know that we haven't had a formal conversation, but you mentioned Tinder. Like I just want to know where I what's happening. And then I get hit with, Oh yeah, I meant to tell you. I've like started kind of seeing someone else on a serious level and I want to Date her and also date you, and I was like, I didn't sign up to get sister wived without my permission. Like, (laughs) did he actually use the phrase "I meant to tell you"?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like this was, I've been meaning to tell you. It's it's interesting how that
2: kind of adds a little salt to it. It's like, oh, yes, this also wasn't that important to me that it slipped my mind. Exactly. You know, I think if you were going to say that, you would say this is really hard to. Yeah. Say because mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Totally. And I apologize in advance if mm-hmm. it does, but it was a casual throw away. But then again, that's that's guys in their twenties. Yes. Yes. Uh,
0: yes. And I knew I, yeah. yeah. I mean, the I meant to tell you the um translation the the English translation of that is. I I was never going to tell you unless you directly asked
1: me about it because I wanted to keep fucking you and also fucking this girl because I like the emotional labor that I'm getting from you and I like the sex, but I I don't feel like committing right now. I want to have that and also have the freedom at the same time. And I don't want to tell you because I'm worried that you're going to walk away from me.
2: I want a greeting card with yes, that on it. Exactly. It would, it would have to be a small font, fitting,
1: but that is yeah. early twenties classic. And I knew, I knew going into it that there were these flags, mm-hmm. but I love to run through a red flag at top speed. It's like very much my way. I'm trying to get better with it, but this relationship really, I had to break up with them immediately. Um, and it was really hard. I, I missed my friend. We were best, like we were talking, we were together for a year and a half. That's a long time to know someone. But I was like, no, this is like some self-respect has to be laid down. I got to say goodbye to you. Uh, like, and he was like, can we be friends? And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't give you any answers right now. Then, cut to we have a show that he's involved with in some way he brings this girl that he's hooking up with to the show and like is kind of that's just it's insensitive it's just and so I'm like I can't have you I can't be anywhere near you now like maybe you weren't even thinking about me when you did that that's one possibility or maybe you were thinking about me and you wanted to like make me jealous or prove both. A point. not
0: great none of it's great all of it's dog shit so there's really no scenario in which he he wasn't super selfish. Absolutely,
1: and I and I really I think that he was young and immature, and I and I did some insensitive shit at that age too, and so I have as to, did I. Yeah, we all yes. do, and so I'm not like demonizing him, and and I have been thinking about my part in it, and that relationship forced me to really look at myself and be like. Why do you keep doing this? Mm. Why do you not keep asking for what you really want? Why do you keep placating everyone else's needs? Like You need to start to demand a level of respect out the gate as just a standard. And so that's what I did. And I ended up dating someone who was really lovely. And I had a wonderful relationship with him. It was a growing relationship. And we're still friends. And, but, but me and this, this guy broke up the relationship afterwards and then the ex from before started creeping into my brain and he was just living, there was social media, stalking, happening. Like, so he
2: was your catnip.
1: Yes, he was. It was like, ooh, and also like the sex was really good between the two of us and it was exciting and dramatic. It was one of my last relationships Isn't that had sex. Is sex always
2: better when they're a little distant? Oh,
1: it's the best. Yes. Yes. Or I would they're say like a so. little off kilter in a certain way yes. and so are you. And it just, ooh, it's so, it's like drugs. It really so is. So I was like hankering for that hit. and And I also started being like, I also started thinking about my part in it more and i was like it sucks that he might not he might not like me or he might feel like i'm an asshole for the way that I, I cut it off and i just i don't know it started gnawing away at me in a way that i'm not sleeping like obsessively checking social media um being worried that i was gonna run into him in certain neighborhoods like he had. did been- you
2: go to the driving past his place level
1: Almost, almost. Yes. The thing with social media is that you can be driving past their place from yeah. your phone at, at night in your bed in a way that it's like, I'm up till 4.30 in the morning. Who's this new girl? I had to delete him off Facebook. It's, I,
0: it's interesting how one version of stalking is seen as, whoa, you're fucking...
1: Physical in person stalking.
0: But the other form of stalking is something that we just all do. Because uh-huh. nobody is holding us accountable for no.
1: it. Yeah. You have to hold yourself. You have to like block these. You gotta people do the block, so you can't do it. Um, but I, I want to w-
2: see an episode of Big Brother that yes. that is that. People out in the out oh, in the world yes. and they're not over an ex. Yeah. And, yeah. And you, not to the point where they're scaring someone or hurting them, but uh. you see, the pain yes and i think so many people could use a uh uh, an example of something that helps them feel less alone in that Uh in that just chasm of pain after a a breakup well because
0: i i think you also you think um i'm pathetic for feeling this way they're not thinking about me they're not even thinking about me I shouldn't still be feeling this way. I mean, Mm -hmm. this was somebody from years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you think like, oh, this was a year and a half quote relationship. I should have been over it in six months. Right. Right. And why That's not not how it works. And I hate, I I don't like that whole, like, I don't even know. I think it's a sex in the city reference that Uh like people have accepted this idea that, it takes half the amount of time of the relationship to mm-hmm. get over the person. I've heard it from so many people, and I think it's from Sex and the City. Yeah, it and I have got to say, it's the fucking dumbest. <laughs> Stop
1: putting me in that prison. Sex and the years. City, <laughs> if you have
0: been ruining people's ideas of what dating is really like, but, and I'm
1: here to call you the fuck out. Okay, but to go anti, to to go pro, Sex and the City though.
0: Mm, okay, all right. To take Let's the counterpoint, Sex and the City.
1: If I had argument. the reason why. I continued this mourning period with this person is because I didn't address the abrupt end of our relationship and the really like upsetting feelings that I had. I kind of shoved it down. I dated someone else. And then as soon as I was single again, he, he popped back up because I had no closure. And I always believed closure was bullshit up until recently. I was like, okay, closure, sure. No, repress it. Fuck a bunch of dudes.
2: Don't deal with the humiliation. You're,
1: no, I no, I can't. I can't. I can't reach out to you and again, like appear I, weak. Oh, I already appeared weak. Too much for my comfort zone. But it hit a point of critical mass where I'm like, I have to. I have to say something to this person. I watched Judd Apatow's show Love, and I was in an emotional place. I was crying in my bed. Like that show makes me crazy. It was a perfect storm of. It was like a perfect emotional fucking mess and so i ended up texting him and i just said you've been on my mind recently what a crazy weird left field way to get back into someone's life did it
2: include a selfie of you on the ground in the fetal position sucking your thumb
1: honestly it didn't need to include that because that type of text it's implied (laughs) you've been on my mind what am i a weird beatnik poet like that's such a we haven't talked for years. And then I just yeah. dropped that kind of shit on you. But I was like, that's all I have in me now. Yeah.
0: It's you throwing a rock at someone's window. Sure.
1: Totally. I was tapping. In text message. Tapping form. on the yes. glass. Like, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Do, do you still want to engage with me?
2: But I don't want to express myself because that would make me even more vulnerable. No, exactly. This yes. is already
1: so much that I need to do. Please read my mind you. so yes. that I don't
2: have to be vulnerable and transparent. Oh, my
1: God. To let me out of this cage. Um, and so I text him. He does a text me doc for days, so that's like days of just like Ooh, but actually, as soon as I texted him, I felt a little bit of the catharsis. And I was like, this is really... It either was the, cathar- the catharsis or the excitement that he might be getting back in my life again. I don't know. Probably a combo of the two. Isn't
2: <laughs> the not knowing also a high Ooh, in itself? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe
1: I know that you saw this and you're thinking about it. I'm in your shit now, man. I'm burrowing well, in. Well,
0: think about it. like The finality of the relationship versus like this might be ca- not a huge possibility but at least there's that tiny uh-huh. possibility that right. anything could happen which you know? then
2: allows you to go into fantasy mm-hmm. which is really to me like the drug of emotional intimacy struggles best. and the complicated relationship oh. with the parent of the opposite sex mm-hmm. or whatever trauma yes. we're replaying I'm
1: mainlining it like yes. it's fucking coke and I know I even know I'm doing this and here's the thing too is that like I was talking about my relationship with drinking. Now I understand uh how I function with alcohol, but within the last few years I'm starting to look at the way that I function with men and it's like oh, I, got a, no. I got a support group for you. Oh yeah, I know sex and love addicts. And I'm like, oh no, another thing I have to like figure out and I know what I'm doing, but it feels good to be aware of it. Like that's the first step and I'm like, Okay, I know what I'm doing here. I'm participating in kind of a toxic way, but I also like, I really do feel like I need to talk to this person. So he finally responds to me and he goes like, you know, I'm sorry. I I haven't responded quickly. I'm like, he's struggling with a lot of mental illness problems on his own. And he always was this way. And I I don't think that he's trying to avoid me. I really think that he's having a hard time and, and always has. And basically it's just like, I don't have any ill feelings towards you. I'm like glad to hear from you, but I'm struggling with mental health in a way that, like, it's hard for me to be around people. I don't think it would be healthy for me to be around you, considering what we are with one another. And also, this
2: is what he texted back. He says to me, "Yeah." yeah.
1: And also, he says, I have a girlfriend too now. And like, I don't know that that's what you're doing, but if that is kind of like what you're interested in, I feel like I have to be forthright with you about that. And
2: what a step up from his previous communications.
1: Huge. And I was just like, oh, like I felt so much, I felt so much better. I think it was because at the end of the relation, because during the relationship, he was this guy, this really communicative, loving, like wonderful, smart person. And then the end was so like this asshole. And I was like, I thought I knew, like, I thought I knew this person. I didn't expect you to pull, pull like a full on fuckboy on me. And then, I got that response from him and I just felt a sense of relief like okay we're cool you're you and I know that also like him struggling with mental illness I was like oh yeah that was always like a big hard part of a relationship that you were going through that I'm glad that I'm not engaging with that right now I can't really handle that and also like you don't hate me. I think that was part of it too is that I cared so much about what he thought and who he was right. that that the idea that like me abruptly cutting it it off made it possible that like I was his quote unquote crazy ex. He did hate me like it was going to be awkward when we ran into each other.
0: None of it. I felt such relief that's crazy that you would even worry about his opinion of you isn't, st-
2: isn't that though the natural thing after you get broken up with is you want to know why yeah. so that you can fix it so yeah. it doesn't happen again exactly. Yeah.
1: exactly and it was a weird it was a weird like I pulled the trigger on the breakup of our relationship but he broke up with me in that he put me in a situation where I could either choose to be with him and not respect myself or choose in that moment, choose to respect that this was too much for me and I had to opt out. So it was like a it was a very strange type of breakup. I because I did feel emotion towards him. I didn't think he was a straight-up monster. I thought he was inexperienced. I thought things were complicated. Like I was assessing it from every fucking angle, and now that I just have such clarity towards it, it's just like oh Freedom yeah. I never thought that I would... F- I-, I honestly was like, I'm going to be pining after this person for fucking years. And I'm never going to sleep. And then every person that I'm with, they're gonna, he's going to be in my mind like a little bug in my brain, not even there anymore. Crazy. That's,
2: that's awesome. Don't worry, he'll come back. But... <laughs> <No>! <laughs> yes. Paul,
0: I can't. Yeah, she's saying this like a good few weeks after sure, it happened. I'm in the haze maybe. I'm like on the yes. pink
1: cloud of... of
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel good about it. Yes. I, I feel like... You know, the best that you can hope for is that you are able to learn as much as you can learn. Totally. And um, if there were, are still some lingering questions, here's the thing: I've always thought closure was pointless too, because no matter Not what until somebody, you need it, God, yeah, be, no matter what somebody says to you, you a you don't know the full story. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, like you said, you don't know exactly what's going on in their mind, their
1: intentions.
0: Their intentions and, and even if they're ending things with you, I would hope that you were close enough that they wouldn't want to hurt your feelings. They don't, nobody wants somebody to walk away from a relationship with hurt feelings. Mm-mm. Um, but at the same time, everybody's always looking out for themselves first. And that's what I believe. Um, but closure, like when people say, I just want closure, I, I think usually that's not truly what they want. Really? I, I think they
2: want to get their way.
0: Yeah. I think you always want to have May, your way. A little bit
1: of me wanted to get May, my way for sure. Maybe I'll that.
0: you want to get, quote, I think it's it's a false. They say they want closure, but really they want an easy fix. They want to know exactly what the problem is so we can fix it, fix it, fix or, it. But. Or
1: do I want my ego to feel a little better about this I think that's huge it. blow that maybe
0: you, because it's, I think
2: that's how they imagine closure is going to come is totally. that they will see themselves as more powerful mm-hmm. in the situation and then that will take the the pain away.
0: But you know, yeah, what? or or maybe I think another uh, hope that somebody might have would be that the closure is knowing that the reason for it ending. Um, was something that they couldn't control, yes, mm-hmm. or something that's not a, a reflection of who of they who yes. are as a person, are, and value, yeah, absolutely. But that should always be true. The, you should just know that uh, and and like yourself enough that you don't worry about whether something totally. is so, right for you or not right for you.
2: So, what would be the best reasons in a relationship oh, that you good could question. find out? I, the one for me, what immediately springs to mind is. Uh, I'm emotionally unavailable, Mm -hmm. and I need to go work on myself because... This is so fucked up because you were one of the best people I ever met Uh and something's fucked up
1: with
0: me that that I can't accept your love and it scares me. Well, it's Mm. interesting that you should say that because my ex.
1: So this is the funny, the crazy thing about this. We're synced up on such a cosmic level. It's disgusting. Our
0: cycles, our emotions, our schedules.
1: But Mm. we both. So I reached out to the big ex and I was. The biggest. I don't, I didn't want to tell her because she saw the pain. There's a thing amongst female friends, and I'm, I wonder if it's the same with men, but your closest friend will always hate your ex that hurt you the most. And anytime you try to like engage with them in any way, that friend's like, fuck that guy. He's a piece of shit. Don't you dare. Like, you're so much better than him. Sure. That's their role as a friend to try to like raise you up and be on your team. But, but I did not want to tell you that I was entertaining Texting this person because I knew you would tell me not to and I'm like, I don't want to hear the reasonable yeah. voice right now, but little do I fucking know. Well, I'm in here texting my ex. Someone is leaving a voicemail on their, which ex's is phone. fantastic.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> the next level after a text.
1: Uh-huh. You outdid me in an emotional way.
2: And how much prep was there, and what you were going to say oh, on the voicemail? I, okay, first sure. of all,
0: I always prepare. Like, even Could if you I'm... have
2: interns? <laughs> <up> in you?
0: <laughs> yeah, Vet I went it? on idealist.org. Yes. Yeah, I I prepare like if I'm ordering Chinese food, like I, yes. I will prepare for anything. Yeah. I always, you always make have a talking script. Points. Yeah, I always have talking points, but yeah, so I definitely did, and I made sure to make it like equally casual well okay here i'll give you a you little bit of the backstory casual. oh yeah. you fake the casual oh, he, Always. Hey. Yes.
1: N- yes neither here nor there and i know yes. that we haven't spoken for literally years but yes. you've been on
0: my mind is there is
2: what there the a post breakup casual acting class <laughs> that you can yeah. take
0: <laughs> you run into that. Oh them, my god. I'm I'm great. Great. we need to trademark that <laughs> oh god um, i'm not coming apart at the seams at all <laughs> Um, So bad. The the best is like, oh, this, I just heard this thing or saw this thing and it reminded me. That's how you got it. That's how you do it. Mm -hmm. That's how you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is what I did. But, but, so my ex, uh, it's, it, there, it was pretty different um, than Andrea in, in terms of like the communication issues. Mm -hmm. I was, very i was i was blindsided in the same way that andrea was but what was so harmful for me was i felt like i was communicating so well yeah you were the entire time so i met painfully
1: communicating yeah and it's it was hard for me this hurts my feelings when you introduce me as your friend to your (laughs) other friends even though i'm kind of your girlfriend and this
0: feels really bad but you did it yeah. Well,
2: when you were with him or post when breakup? I was with, with him. him,
0: so I I met this guy. Yeah,
2: that's a fucking gigantic yeah. red flag. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And, and
2: was it assumed that you were both exclusive?
1: No,
0: it it was not. You hadn't had that conversation. We hadn't had a conversation, Um but we were exclusive in the way that we were not sleeping with other people or seeing other, but you weren't
1: BFGF, but we weren't
0: BFGF official. Mm -hmm. Um, but if that makes sense, you're looking at me a little
2: confused. Yeah, it, it, it does, but there's, there's still that, uh, unknown entity of, is he seeking other people? Are you seeking other Uh, people? And that to me is the same thing as, um, is he with somebody else? Yeah, yeah. The only difference would be: has he been successful? Sure. in getting laid by somebody mm-hmm. else yet? Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. How I I met him? Um, and at a diner. At a diner, um, he wrote his number on a receipt. Very suave. Very charming uh, guy. Very charming, like
2: without without uh, you asking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh.
0: Just walked over, left it on the table, and just like gave me this like smoldering look he mm. had like smoldering good looks to yeah. me mm-hmm. like six foot four a beard like just su- such like boyish good looks yeah um, he was like a public defender and he socially conscious check, check very boxes smart boxes checked his... a lot of boxes for me that i was just like i'm into this mm-hmm. like for me it's it's always like it's hard to to find somebody who checks
2: had, had you talked to him Before he left his number on... No. no, It was just a receipt that he had. A drive-by. A
0: drive-by. You know what's
1: even funnier about that? What officially
2: is is a drive-by?
1: I mean, there's a drive-by shooting, but... (laughs) Right. No, I know that. This isn't that. He didn't didn't shoot me. What's funny about this, a a drive-by... What's funny about it is that I, this is something that I do, and it's really funny that she would date a man who picks people he up. He was in the like same her in a lot I of ways. Do. Yeah, mm. I, I'm an,
0: I'm attracted to this to alpha me, secretly to you. Yeah, I'm kind of I've been going for it for a long time. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I I'm into like an alpha. He wants to be pursued. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much.
1: Um, you write your number down. You walk up to a person. I usually do it when I'm leaving a venue, so that I'm not going to make them uncomfortable. Like I won't give someone my number and we're all hanging out in a room together for a right. few more that hours. Is, That's weird as fuck.
2: How about giving it to them and then standing there and staring at them? exactly waiting and going? For a do response? you want this
1: number? Yes. Yeah. No. You don't do that. You just are like, I feel a vibe, and I don't. There's not really time to um to have a conversation right now, and I don't really want to like. Do a pickup, weird, cheesy thing. Yes. The number is here. If I hear from you, it's great. If you I say don't, that,
2: or that's implied,
1: I'll just go, hey, and I'll give them the number and I'll like wink. <laughs> I'm real. I'm real corny. I'm yeah. like, yeah. And then you like retreat immediately. I retreat immediately. Do you
2: curtsy as you back away?
1: It's implied. Okay. I kind of and I like I like come give a little butt shake. Like, eh, you yeah. want it? And then I yeah. and I'll move out of there. I do this with men and women too. Yes. By the way, I feel like it's a universal. It's a great non-threatening.
0: Move. It's yeah, it's it's a fantastic
1: me. move. Mm-hmm. It got you. Um, and another, it got me.
2: Another choice would be that you put that little note. Mm-hmm at the top of your butt crack uh-huh. and then you twerk <laughs> your way out yes! and it flutters uh, out before you hit the door.
0: The best impression. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm, and that's... I, yeah, the, the twerk will set you free. Yes. I think in this case. It's um, about theatrics picking people up sometimes yeah. and that, that... Making an impression. That
1: type of move is very like... It's I have just the, such a power I move. I have the confidence to do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, I get it. So, so, yeah, but... But he... T- it turned out... Um, he was two months out of a divorce when we mm. met. I was the first person that he dated after the divorce. Um, he was also a lot older, uh, he was 11 or 12 years older than me. Um, so he had and like how old were you? Uh, well, I was 26, so he was 38, mm-hmm. 37, okay. 38. Um, so that that also was super hot to me. Um, and daddy, no, I don't think I it's, mean, what I don't oh. think that's why. Huh. Um, I no, think a it's stepdaddy, yeah, it's a yeah, it's more a stepdaddy yeah, situation. Yeah, sure, sure. I go right to the main line, I go right to dad. Oh, you let's are, go to the valley, yeah. Um, I so it, it's more like he had the experience and, um, and he was chilled out in a way that yeah, an older man will be yeah, men or not. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely like the divorce thing to me was a red flag.
1: It's not even, it's just something to be aware of. It's like when someone, like when I entered the relationship with, with my guy, it was like, it's not a red flag. Cause everyone's all either out of a relationship or coming into a relationship or they're intentionally being single. But when someone's directly out of a relationship, you know where their head is at. There's going to be some shit happening. Oh, yeah. And you can't pretend it's yes. not a thing. Three
2: divorces would be a red, big, yeah, big exactly. red flag. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. Totally. That,
2: that just essentially says, I have no sense of
0: exactly other
2: people totally. or myself Anything. right
0: but i think when you're fresh out of a divorce you're kind of like a ball of mush and you've been with the same person for so long and now all of a sudden you have to be your own person and mm-hmm. there's all this baggage from that relationship i mean it's you know but but he was uh he, he was unique to me and he really um made me relax about it because he was being very intentional about bettering himself, he was going to therapy multiple times a week. He was trying to figure out, you know, how he got you feel stuck. Like he in had the safety on the gun. Bad relationships. <laughs> yeah. Um he. It's. It seemed like he was really trying to make progress in that area of his life mm-hmm. um so i was, was like i can't fault him for that because he got out of a relationship that wasn't working for him and now he's taking steps to fix it you know what i mean well
1: but also do you remember that his ex had a drinking problem he
0: had multiple exes with drinking problems and as someone who yes.
1: has a drinking problem and knows what people are like who like to date me i was like
2: codependent <gasps>
1: But I, but I was like, you like this guy, and he does seem to be addressing it. But it did worry well, me. Was he in
2: any kind of recovery for being attracted to I don't addicts, think so. alcoholics? Like,
0: no, not outside the therapy. He wasn't in Al-Anon or anything like yeah. that. But yeah. but this was another part of it, which is probably misguided on my part. But I was like, I do not have a drinking problem. He is now dating somebody who doesn't have these problems. I'm going to fix you. What's no, the, that's what's not... The adi- you keep saying not accurate things. Mm-hmm. It's not a fixing thing. It's you appear to be in a place where you're moving away from that behavior. Sure. So, you know...
2: Finish your thought, then. I have a question.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so... Well, I want to hear your question now. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Is it possible there's some type of addictive nature that you have, though it may not be alcohol, but he senses that there is a compulsivity in some area of your life. And this is just a curiosity. This isn't me trying to pathologize. Uh, I'm just always curious about human behavior and what drives Mm -hmm. it.
0: I don't know, but I know that he said that he thought he was... He thought that he ended up in relationships with women with substance abuse problems because it came from him wanting to nurture them, but also him wanting to be better than the that. better one. Mm-hmm. Him yes. wanting to That's appear like... insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, he was pretty self-aware about mm-hmm. it. And he said, yeah, he liked to have this person in a category where they're the fuck up mm-hmm. and he's the good guy and... Um, and you know I imagine that's something that's really hard to a really hard cycle to break. Well, here's the thing too. I think when he met you, uh, the, your outer
1: package to him seemed closer to uh those ex- those quote-unquote exciting women that he knew because yeah. you were you're a comedian. You have this kind of unconventional life compared to his like corporate thing. You you'll let loose, you're very free-thinking like and these are all things that are very true about you and attractive. But thank you. Oh, you're welcome. But the other side of it is that you're deeply pragmatic, and you don't you don't have substance abuse. You have you have your problems with eating, like you you. But you're it's not you don't get out of control in the way that I'm not volatile. Exactly, like these women
0: were from the sounds of it. And another thing is, I only know his side of the story. That's That's true, Mm -hmm. but. In the end, so you know, we had we had this relationship that felt serious to me, um, and I think that a lot of um, the, the the things that he did especially very early on, I was like, this is somebody who was clearly, you know, in a marriage for a long time and thinks that that's how you treat people and hasn't dated casually. Let's go on a trip together. Yeah, like, let's go to Asbury Park for the weekend. And I'm like, I've known you for two weeks, you know? It, so mm-hmm. I think I was very careful. Note,
2: note to self.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were taking a lot of notes to self <laughs> in this relationship. <laughs> um, I, no, I'm
2: saying I'm noting that taking, now oh. that I'm in the dating world. Yes. Yeah,
0: yes. I, I think when you're casually dating, you do have to be very careful not to, to do these landmark relationship things too early because it could very easily become a confusing situation for the both of you. Um, but you know, like I said, I was very communicative about my boundaries and everything and, um, slowly built up this trust for him and, um, And really thought that it would be worth it. Um, And then in the end, he just broke up with me. Out of nowhere. On a pier. On a pier. Mm -hmm. On the pier at South Street Seaport. Mm
2: -hmm. So you could jump off if it was (laughs) really terrible? Uh Pretty much. Had you told him you don't know how to swim?
0: (laughs) I wish I did because maybe he would have reconsidered it. Yeah. There is nothing like staring out at the water on a clear-ass day Mm -hmm. when you just got your heart broken and just seeing booze cruises float by. Oh, my God.
2: Doesn't it always happen the saddest news? Mm -hmm. It's on a sunny day. And you're surrounded by people laughing. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And you're yeah. like, oh my God, the world is varied. The universe is hilarious. That's yeah. another thing. Yeah. There's
0: people everywhere. They're playing lawn games. I can't cry in front of these people. No. Um. So, so he, and and he didn't give me, his reason didn't make any sense. It, it wasn't even a, a real reason. He was just saying, uh, I think what he said was, um, I feel like, I see us getting more serious and I'm not comfortable with it. Like something very vague like that. He also said that you weren't as. This was after. Oh, so okay. then, so the day after I called, because again, closure, whatever. Whatever. What the fuck ever. <laughs> the world is bullshit. Uh-huh. I'm getting very heated. Mm. Um, I was heated. But so I called and, and said, you need to give me a better answer than that. That's not very. Clear, Like, I need to know what's going on in your mind. Um, and he said, you know, I've been thinking about my relationships in the past with these other women. And, um, you know, I crave the excitement of somebody who's unstable. And you don't have those traits that they have. So I think that it got to a certain point And, like, I lost interest. And it Ugh. wasn't exciting to me. Ouch. Wh- which... To me, that's not a real reason. I think that's...
1: I think that's. A, I think he's actually telling you the exact reason. Say I, say,
0: say that again. Okay. Uh, I'm trying not to misquote him because it's like... God, it's if either so batshit. It's so batshit crazy. Okay. <laughs> he said... I'm I've been thinking a lot about my relationships with these women of my past and they've all been you know unstable alcoholics volatile Mm -hmm. addicts and you don't have any of these traits that these other women have so I think something about that doesn't excite me anymore oh
2: that wow how how honest and uh self-aware yeah
1: but he's catapulting back into an Alanonic type of way of relating to people. It's like, it's like he knows. It's. I mean, it's kind of like when I'm texting my ex. I know I'm doing a bad thing. I know that like I'm participating in behavior that is not healthy, but can't help it. Like it too much. Yes. I'm still gonna do it.
2: And, and are you saying that, that that you find that extra hurtful?
0: I just don't think it's true. I, I think, uh, you oh. know, maybe, maybe on some level it's true, but I think it reeks to me of like, I'm a fuck up, like exactly what you said, like I'm emotionally unavailable and I can't handle out? you. I think it was a cop out. I think, you know, he, maybe, um, maybe he didn't have strong feelings for me anymore and he didn't understand why. So that so- would have
2: been less painful to you to hear that than the, the, I'm the, just the, I'm a, the I'm a The
0: thing is I'm just like a truth seeker and I don't like to be like I don't like people like throwing their bullshit in my face. <laughs> it like drives me insane. So it sounded
2: too self-aware to be true.
0: What would the other option be
1: though?
2: Yeah, I want to know what would have been less painful. Yeah. Cuz when you said what he said, I thought that fits the category that we were talking about earlier right. of it's not about you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I. But but,
2: but you feel. Like I feel like I'm that's not bullshit. That good. <laughs> uh-huh. I feel yeah. like
0: that's bullshit. So I don't like to be lied to. I I feel like is it easier
1: if he's a liar and just kind of a shitty guy versus he's someone who has uh is trying to work with work on uh like an Alanonic personality and he's regressing back into it.
0: Okay, you know what? I think I just realized what what bugs me so deeply about mm-hmm. it. It's, um, it, it bothers. It on a pier. Well, that, that peers. made it pretty cinematic in not a nice way. Yeah, I no, will w- say.
2: Was it being filmed?
0: I, I might have been. Yeah. I could be, you know, yeah. in an indie movie somewhere. Sure. Um,
1: Weeping. It was a left hook for sure. That, yeah. that was not nice. Let me ask well,
2: Did he ask you to have a quirky best friend there and somehow within four feet <laughs> yeah, of you? Yeah,
0: he, and he wanted her to be like kind of dumpy, like mm. there for comedic relief uh-huh. and whatever. I think he
2: filmed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what a sick fuck. <laughs> this buck. whole time yes. he's a filmmaker. Yeah. yeah.
2: That
1: would be really
0: good. Was
2: there an upbeat but melancholy soundtrack?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually. Zoe Deschanel, uh-huh. uh, her band, was, was did the whole soundtrack, scored the whole thing. Well, um, I mean. Well, okay. So. I'm about to have a breakthrough. Sure, so get I'm sorry it, to interrupt do you. It. But uh, what was tough, the toughest for me about it is, is if that is true, then now I have to have that on my mind. Like, oh, once you get past this issue, we could be together or, oh, or mm. it's not true. And that's just, you're giving me false hope that someday in a different Scenario: mm-hmm. This could work. You feel
1: like someone's making a fool of you in a certain way. Yeah,
0: I, I feel mm-hmm. like I don't know if that means once you work on yourself, there's still a chance that it could happen, mm-hmm. or if that means no, it's never going to happen
1: because it's never going to happen regardless. Because he's breaking up with you, though. Yes. You know, I know. From so, my persp- so
0: the problem. Sorry. No, finish your thought. So the problem is not that he. Uh, is um drawn to, to addicts, the problem is that he doesn't want to be with me. It's Sure. It's not... That's not the reason. You know what I mean? If there was somebody who was so great who mm. he could get past that for, mm. then he it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, but no one gets past stuff for other people. That's the thing. No. They don't. But, they just don't. But do you know what I mean? Like, Bing- if in a year's time he gets past that issue and I reach back out this is, or he reaches back out could we still be together if the
1: answer is no then I think you want to know regardless you really you, because you want to be able to know with certainty what exactly is happening so that you can act appropriately yeah yeah like we said you can never really right you can't ever really know that truth right what were you going to say Paul
2: Two thoughts. One is that you are trying to find a way to make sure that you're mean to yourself no matter what it is (laughs) or that you're or that you're feeling pain. Yeah. Uh, And the other thought is that if he really is attracted uh, to unavailable people Mm -hmm. and and he was telling you the truth. I can tell you as somebody who struggles with uh, an intimacy disorder, it is much, much larger than you can imagine if you've never experienced it. The fear of being overwhelmed by somebody who is healthy and present and sees you and loves you uh, can sometimes be, even though you crave it. There's a part of it that is so negatively triggering mm-hmm. and um, it, it can be excruciating. Mm-hmm. So um, I wouldn't rule out the fact that that was a the possibility, truth. but um it also just occurred to me that uh, you're kind of painting yourself into a corner that you're hurt no matter what the reason mm-hmm. would have been. And I'm not saying you're trying to play the victim, but I think a lot of times something that we do is, what's the meanest scenario I can paint right. for myself?
0: Well, I think it's just, I think for me, I'm not saying that's, not, that's a possibility, but I think it's more like I want to know for sure that this is never going to happen because I don't want to hold on to... Yeah. An idea or a fantasy that it could, but also. But he
2: didn't say that. He didn't talk about getting back together with you. So Mm -hmm. you introduced that. Mm
0: -hmm. He didn't, but he talked about trying to work. On himself and get oh. over these patterns that he's been having, and also when we ended the conversation, there was this lingering, like, I hope our paths cross in the future. Oh, he and, totally mm-hmm. did yeah, that, thing. so the, the door was left open, okay?
1: Yeah, and I think, I think also in terms of creating the meanest situation possible, um, I think. I do that to like, I go into this masochistic view, like with this ex, I'm like, I'm pining over you and you don't even give a fuck about me. And like, I was just a piece of ass or whatever for me to take the meanest possible version of the scenario means I'm immersing myself in that worst case situation. And then I'm prepared for that to be the truth. Mm -hmm. because you're
2: because you're comfortable with that Exactly. Truth. You know it. Yeah. It doesn't I mean, feel good, but you know. I know
1: it. it. It's you. You're you're fucking everybody. I was just this chick that you. You're having orgies totally, yes. and I was just this. chick You're walking that around with your dick out constantly. Took, that took our relationship too seriously, and I misread signals. Some. I think. I think
2: what are the, red signals the
1: like i i miss oh i miss oh, the signal like I, oh
2: misread signals.
1: signal i, I i'll build this image of myself as i was this hysterical kind of loser who thought this relationship was more important than it was and he wasn't as in it as i was and i just kind mm-hmm. of and part of part of that i have to acknowledge can be true and also part of it can be true that he did have feelings for me and and it's got to be somewhere in the middle but i think that we paint this worst case scenario so that we can feel comfortable and and process it being that way and then if it's that way and we move past it then we we don't feel like a loser anymore yeah
0: well cuz there's less of a gray area
1: yeah if if you like admit there's a possibility that you are a loser then you know it you're not unself aware like whenever i have a friend who when you have a friend who's in a bad relationship and the per- the person is abusing them and they're just taking it and taking whatever they can and you're watching them from outside being like, what a train wreck and they can't get out of it, you feel bad for that person because you're like, oh, that person doesn't even know how bad it is. They're 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 pussy whipped or there's a person, they'll just do whatever because they want to be with this person. it's an, an un- It feels unattractive to be caught in something like that and not be aware. So I think painting yourself as that person and acknowledging that it makes you at least aware of it and it makes you feel oh, less funny like a, a fool like right. no one wants to feel like a fool like how did you not know this you know right but you can't like we said you can never know
0: there's no possible right. way you can only know what people tell you exactly yes and um, i was just
2: probably projecting my bullshit Onto you and, yeah, and saying don't, that. Don't, don't say yes,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's just her um, problem. Actually, <laughs> this is entirely your problem. Uh-huh. Paul. And the man is Paul. And you're here today. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it. What if we were like, and now we bring them in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god we
0: need two more chairs what a literal
1: nightmare <laughs> we so we
0: flew them both to la oh my god just to have them on this show oh my Leonardo. god
2: what a great show that yeah. would right be. this is your fucking life uh-huh. it's an update of this is your life oh, and you so ex, you it would go so
0: viral
2: you bring the ex
1: back in <laughs> and just talk about all the awful feelings
0: well anyway i'll, I'll tie this up with a bow uh-huh. but
1: a sad little bow a
0: sad little bow but i did i left him a voicemail um, hey what's going on because oh this is another thing he, he since he is a little bit older he's not on social media and it's crazy because we're talking about like how painful it can be to be able to follow exes on social media but at the same time nowadays that is very much the norm so when you can't it's like, oh my God, this person was in my life and now all of a sudden they're gone, you which even, I guess is how it always was before all this social media bullshit came yeah, into That's what private detectives play. are for. Right, <laughs> yes. That's where, yeah, that's where you have a phone
1: book and you're waiting outside their place. Start circling around their y- block a yeah. few times.
2: And it so sucks if they live in like a third story apartment because uh, then you can only see the top of the hair uh, of the people walking around.
1: You see a guy walking with them. Is that their boyfriend or the girl? is their girl's girlfriend? Yeah. That's yeah, what those a-
0: wraparound um, binoculars are for. Sure. Like those wraparound <laughs> telescopes. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I, I wasn't able to follow him. The only thing that I was able to see was he had like a, a Facebook page that yeah, was set, wormhole. On, set on private. And he uses it like a LinkedIn. Like he has no idea how to use Facebook because he's old. But so, yeah. I'm sorry,
2: 38. Uh, 38 no i'm 55 (laughs) yeah but you're in
0: entertainment and it's very different i think the vast majority yes Mm -hmm. that my sister is not even quite as old as as my ex but my sister's like 35 and she's not the same on social media as i am It's, it's just not a second nature um so you know he would update like where he's working and his city so he changed his city um, to Philadelphia, oh, which is your weird. heart, like jump out of your chest. Yeah, you it was that? like such a complex range of emotions. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, did it
2: have anything to do with our founding fathers?
0: Well, he's from Philly, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think he got a new job there. I could only see the city in the job. That's mm-hmm. all. Yes. So
2: that was a lame attempt at a joke.
0: Oh, Sorry. Yeah, we I'm, bylined it. You know that's what? Okay. I'm so my judgment is so clouded by my own <laughs> <laughs> hysteria right now. Uh-huh. Anyway, no, I'm actually doing fine, but <laughs> I am. Isolate that. Well, like, give me, give you know me, me a
2: minute to believe that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
2: okay, all right, mm-hmm. all right.
0: Moving on. So, so I call him, and uh, you know, I say that like something reminded a song or something reminded me mm, of him, and then, I, and then I admitted to the social media stalking, and I made like a cute little joke about it. If I I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, Mm -hmm. but I would say this is one of the most charming voice messages I've ever left. Mm -hmm. I was really turning it on. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, it it wasn't like a, I want to talk about our breakup or I want to like see you or anything like that. You're
1: more self aware than to do something like that, but I wasn't
0: like laying all my feelings out there. I was just like, Oh, I saw you move to Philly. Would love to know what's going on with you. You're dipping a toe. Uh, Yeah, I was dipping a toe.
2: Let me tell you that as, in his mind, the subtext completely was, "Please come back." Yes, sure.
0: of course, sure. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, he's not completely wrong <laughs> if that's what he thinks. So yes. anyway, but he never called me back. Mm,
2: that so, sucks. Yeah. yeah. Or he was protecting himself, or protecting you.
0: Well, you know what? If he, if I, it kind of gave me the answer that I wanted. Yeah. Uh, because again. if you're not calling me back, then. That's this this questionable future that I had yes. in a corner of my mind. It's That doesn't exist. So right. in, in a similar way. Closure. Closure. Mm-hmm. And,
2: and I think it's such a great example of if you really want to understand what is going on, look at people's patterns of behavior. Take yeah. all the words they say away mm-hmm. and look at their behavior. At the and subtext. that often tells you what yeah. is really going on. Of course. And the fact that he didn't respond.
1: Yeah. It tells yeah. you so much. There's no other that's the thing you put yourself in in you you kind of painted yourself into a corner in the same way that I did where it was like let's put this out here one more time and if I get a response then this could possibly continue and there are feelings there. If I don't, this is truly over. Like this is the final humiliation of vulnerability mm-hmm. that I'm willing to throw out there and I thought I was going to feel like I think we both h- had a really elated feeling about it. It the the you seem to just feel a lot more clear about it in the way that I feel clear. You got yeah. a you
2: got a smelly gift.
1: Yeah. Yes. I got a what?
2: A smelly gift.
0: Yeah. What does that mean?
2: It was a gift for your closure, but it stinks that he didn't respond.
1: Exactly.
0: Oh, yeah. It it does, but it's better than if he did and then he strung yeah. you on in a weird way. That's own. what I, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um
2: you got your pain up front. Yeah. Well, do,
0: do you feel like you're able to read people's behaviors without getting words?
2: I'm getting better at it. Mm-hmm. But I still struggle because I doubt my, um, I intuition. doubt myself so much. I doubt my intuition. Mm-hmm. I doubt my integrity, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons sometimes why I – isolate is because then I don't have to deal with it. And I would rather deal with a minor bit of loneliness Mm -hmm. than to add more self-doubt on top of the doubt I already have about my profession, who I am as a person, am I working hard enough, am I a good person, Yeah, you know, all that stuff.
0: Well, the theme of our show uh, is what makes you a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and do, would you say that's part of what makes you a, a hot mess? Yes.
2: I think the biggest thing is uh, the negative self-talk, um, mm-hmm. being hard on myself, not being able to forgive myself, caring too much about what other people think.
0: It's it, it's a true testament to who you are and what you're all about, but mm-hmm. you have a way of like bringing it out of people, like okay. what they're really feeling. Keep going. Yeah. Um, you're like uh, it's a great. No, it is a people. great thing. I think you know, um, you have a way of setting setting people's minds at ease and like making them feel yeah. very comfortable. But is that sometimes at your own expense? I
2: I don't feel like it. I think the listener would um, probably be the person to. Well, let's take it outside of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm much more comfortable helping than getting help or asking for help. Mm-hmm. I hate asking for help. Mm-hmm. Me too. I can do it with therapy. It's weakness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the fear
2: that they're going to half ass it or reject me. Uh-huh. And that brings me a tremendous amount of shame and. Reconfirms the mean the mean voice in in my head. Would you like more water?
0: Uh, I'm good for now.
2: Okay thank you. so
1: I'll say something about the negative self-talk because I am just now Entering a new phase with the negative self-talk up until this point in my life. I always believed that it was right I have a very very um, mm, Strict uh, emotionally hard father who always pushed me to work hard and I saw him with his success. He's very hard on himself. I think it's a generational thing. I think men of that generation are expected to like provide and be successful and and be, have a beautiful wife and family and have everything but also be like a stone fortress of a man. And like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a sustainable way to be as a human being. No. And I see my dad kind of coming apart at the seams trying to hold that together. But seeing him be having him be emotionally cold and hard on himself and then seeing him be so successful as a human being. He's so smart on the, outside. on the outside. There's part of me that's like, he's right. He's always right. Everything he says is right because look at him, look at everything that he's achieved. And so I think of, I think of it in the way that if I'm hard on myself in the way that he was hard on me, it'll assure that I'm always successful. Right. The thought of being nice to myself means that you're being weak and that you're going to start getting lazy. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, being nice means this is good enough and you're doing good mm. enough. Like and you're making excuses yes. for yourself? You're, yeah. So Because it's how- so
2: foreign. Totally. It's so foreign to you. And you're making the assumption that you can't be successful and be kind to yourself, that they're yes. mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. which is such black and white thinking, which is for people who have addictive personalities or were raised in a narcissistic environment. Mm-hmm. That is one of the hallmarks. Uh-huh. The ripples left in the wake yes. is black and white thinking.
1: It feels like the final way Wave of its bullshit, like I feel like I've I've escaped a lot of the negative thought, and I'm still really working through it. But I used to believe he was right all the time, and I would cling desperately onto his negative voice in my head as a, a sense of comfort because that's how he used to parent me. But now the fur- we have more distance from one another, and my mother is very nurturing, so I'm more apt to listen to her and listen to people around me, and I. I become more successful the less I listen to it, which is fucking crazy to me. I'm like, if I could have been nice to myself this whole time and it wouldn't have made no difference to my success. What a fucking trick.
2: But you wouldn't be as interesting as you are. You wouldn't be as introspective uh, as reflective. Yeah. So- yeah <laughs>
0: it's whatever. True. No. Our trauma believe- makes us unique. Flowers, <laughs> <that our laughs> special snowflakes floating yeah. in the wind. Do you think that's
1: true?
2: I do think it's true. A, a therapist of uh, someone who is very close to me, because I, I, I don't know if they want me saying they have a therapist, mm-hmm. said to them, um, uh, they were talking about their children. And uh, this friend of mine mm-hmm. said, my God, your children sound so well adjusted. Mm-hmm. And this therapist said, and they will probably be kind of boring.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's true. I, I dated someone when I was in my early 20s and he had just like nice family, wonderful upbringing, like nothing bad to say about anybody. Uh, you know, cis white guy went to full scholarship to college, valedictorian. and it's just like basic. what do we have to talk about? nothing very Be- little. well, because because I mean, you've just never struggled with anything really in your life.
1: Yeah, so you have no um not grit is not the right word, but it, it, you your character there's no there's not a lot of depth of character because you haven't had uh your world kind of tear down in front of right. you.
2: The I I am looking for a woman who has just regained the will to live. <laughs>
0: Wow! Wow!
1: That's yes. a great spot to be in
2: because she'll be interesting, mm-hmm. but she will also be. Of course, I'm kidding. No, but are you though? I, and she'll
0: I, be I, medicated. She, she
2: will. I I want somebody who knows what it's like to walk through hell, mm-hmm. but has found ways to cope that help them see that there is something really awesome about themselves and they now have tools to cope with life on mm-hmm. life's terms mm-hmm. so that we can have a healthy relationship mm-hmm. but they've done that deep introspection they've they've gone through yeah. the 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 lessons the forced gym membership of yeah. trauma or neglect that makes people interesting and that you can connect to on a really deep level. And maybe there are people out there that haven't experienced that mm-hmm. that can connect on a really deep level. Mm-hmm. But um I haven't met many. Do you,
1: do you think though that it's just uh, like we only connect on a deep level with these people because of shared experience? Like two basic your basic ass ex boyfriend probably could find plenty someone plenty of friends. Yeah, find he's... him someone basic on his level though, where their life experience meets up and they connect on a deep on a deep level, I think a lot of it is just are do are you on my page? Like a lot of right. of of what attracts me to someone is instantaneous comfort. Like you're on my page in terms of uh, our conversation is great. You also like have some bullshit to level of my bullshit. If your bullshit is higher than me and I have to take care of you, no. If it's lower than me and you bore me, no. Yeah. If we're like or I rent- feel like
2: a freak around you.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's We all have. I do you I have interactions sometimes with people that I walk away and I'm like, "Oh, I feel like a dick." Like after that conversation. Like I feel like I'm not a good person. Really? Or whatever. All the
2: time. Yeah, yeah. and the then time. I'm like
0: Wow. Oh, so okay, so I shouldn't be spending time with that person, clearly. Mm. You don't vibe. You're yeah. not
1: you're not on each other's frequency. And it's it's quite rare to find someone who I think that's a thing about these two these two relationships. The reason why we stayed in them for as long as we did it was because the connection was so good and there were so many parts of it that were really, really fun. Uh, the sex, the conversation, like you said, he, he checked a lot of boxes for you. And so you were like, I will, I will compensate because I still want this because this is rare connecting to another person is rare.
0: Yeah. And, but the problem with that is you end up doing so much emotional labor that's not necessarily, uh, returned. Right. Well, you know that now. Yeah, I know that now.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, well, you are recently out of a marriage. Yeah. How long have you been separated from your wife? Um,
2: we split in August of 2016. Okay. And it's now what May of 2018. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to yeah, remember what yeah, year yeah, it is. Little, <laughs> little short of of two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to to chime in though is the shaming yourself and doubting mm-hmm. after you. Uh, you know have an interaction with somebody. I don't have that with men. Mm. I've always been comfortable around men. Maybe mm-hmm. it's from playing sports my sure. my whole life mm-hmm. um but I get it around women Interesting. sometimes just yes.
0: in friendly interactions or romantic or both
2: um well, I have really uh not had many romantic interactions since i um split Mm -hmm. there was there was a a brief relationship that was long distance that Mm -hmm. lasted about three months and i didn't have those Mm -hmm. (laughs) i didn't have those until after the breakup and then Mm -hmm. it was the rumination that we were talking uh Mm -hmm. about that that you guys were sharing of mm -hmm. am i gross is is Mm -hmm. you know do, am i blind
1: uh-huh. about
2: parts of myself and this is just going to repeat until i die alone
1: black and white thinking maybe uh-huh, a little bit. yeah die will die alone <laughs> yes. it's safer if i just die alone because yes. then i never have to ask for someone to like me and then they, they say no yes, this it's, way it's safe
2: exactly which is similar to the thing i was talking about about being afraid to ask for help essentially intimacy I have a fear of intimacy. I have no fear of having intimacy in a conversation like we're having mm-hmm. because I know it's going to be a fixed amount of time. Mm-hmm. You will go on your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I, performative. I,
1: yes, yeah. there's
2: it. There's nothing open ended mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. I know the rules mm-hmm. and for the most part. Yeah. And it's that is safe to me and it's a way for me to get that part sure. of me. Met, but ultimately it's not enough because after my guests leave, yeah, whether they're male or female, or when I'm not at my support group, I'm sitting on my couch, um, sometimes enjoying my life, being happy to play guitar or work on the podcast, mm-hmm. but there's other times that there is a part of me that feels um, that really longs for someone to share it with, not from a place of, of emptiness and who am I, but mm-hmm. just, um.
1: It would be nice. It would be nice. Yeah.
2: It would be nice. So I'm not desperate.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: no. and I think one of the signs is that I'm on, um, two dating apps Mm -hmm. and I'll go days sometimes forgetting to check them, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I think is healthy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. That's a good spot to be in generally because, and you don't have the notifications sent to your phone also.
2: Um, I actually I do, Um, but if I haven't gotten a notification, you're not in a day or two. Yes, Uh, so it could be a somebody replying to uh, a conversation, Mm -hmm. but not a notification because I think I have the conversation one turned off, and I only have yeah. That's
0: a good spot to be in because then you're not like. Being obsessive about it, and then you only have to look when there's actually a prospect, and you're only engaging with people who you actually feel like a a real possibility
1: of connection. You're not just like forcing at mass speed, which a lot yeah. of people do on there, and I've been guilty of that. It's extremely addictive. Uh huh. But I, another thing I wanted to ask you, or just a general thought about men, intimacy, that whole <laughs> that whole gamut, because uh, there's a lot to that. But I wonder like we we talk a lot about our friendship like as two females we have permission because we're women to be so emotional with one another we sleep in the same bed we've seen each other naked we share yeah, to level we have. to level and no one ever questions us or calls us gay or shames us for that because we're two females men i feel as if we did we there's a lot of conversation right now about toxic masculinity and what part of it you guys are responsible for and Mm -hmm. i'm not here like apologizing for men and saying like it's not their fault andrea don't be a male
0: apologist i'm sorry
1: you know i I, you know i love apologizing and obsessing and constantly talking about men uh but i think there needs to be acknowledgement that people view men emoting as icky or weak in a way that it they don't with women. So it presents this conundrum where it's like, we want you to be emotionally sensitive and have depth, but we still want the Neanderthal or when someone has depth, we will shame them and they'll get shame from other men, but they will also get shame from women, you know? Yeah. So that's a very weird position to be put in.
2: It, it is kind of uh, the male version of the Madonna whore complex.
1: Yes. And exactly.
2: You're damned if you do, or you have to be so judicious in when you're vulnerable yeah. and when you're alpha mm-hmm. um, that you're asking for something that is almost impossible to, to yeah. fill. And I think there, you know, this is a broad stroke, but I think there are the type of men who are on the path of seeking to expand their life emotionally Mm -hmm. and grow. And then there are the men that it's not on their radar and they're fine with society's view of who a man is. And they would apply to what you are talking Mm -hmm. about being Mm -hmm. the alpha guy. But the, I think the ones that um, are in support groups in therapy Mm -hmm. um, trying to grow it, that's, that's where it gets difficult for us because it's it's just a lot more complicated and we have those both sides to ourselves I have the side of me that gets into uh, hockey fights mm-hmm. and then I have the side that is doing the podcast and telling somebody you're a beautiful survivor and mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. both got tears in our eyes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I'm both of those people yeah, yeah. Um, and it can be confusing sometimes um because one will come out at some time or mm-hmm. uh, another will come out at another time mm-hmm. and having that mean voice in my head mm-hmm. i often question oh was i being too mushy was mm-hmm. i being invasive in my questions
1: yeah she think i have some weird angle like i'm trying to sleep with her right yeah, yeah
2: I, I doubt myself sometimes after i do a podcast because i'll think was i being was I being phony? Was I uh, um, forcing the emotional aspect of mm-hmm. this? And the answer is no, because I have that part of me mm-hmm. that wants to connect with people on yeah. a deep level. But when it's with a woman, I am more prone to second guessing myself because my history mm-hmm. of my relationships with women was being um, insensitive, mm-hmm. objectifying mm-hmm. and. And I have a lot of shame around that. I'd mm-hmm. like to think I'm no longer that person because mm-hmm. I've done a tremendous amount of work in support groups. But I am a work in progress, sure. and I do backslide sometimes. And you know, for instance, earlier in our conversation, where you know, I said note to self about not inviting uh-huh. someone to go spend the weekend after sure. two weeks. I felt some shame that that wouldn't be obvious yeah. to me. Right. Um,
0: But you should. I think it's not obvious to a lot of people. Yeah, because it's experience. You're in a
1: a new set of circumstances. How could you know what the right move would be? You've never been in this type of scenario before.
0: And if you're feeling, um, a connection to somebody, then naturally you want to build on that connection. So, you know. It, it, something can be inappropriate, but at the same time, it's still a nice thing. It's yes. a nice thought to yes. want yes. to spend a weekend with someone.
2: And some women might be thrilled
0: yes. to go. I know to go do plenty that. of we, uh, oh women God. that would be thrilled to be whisked away on a well, weekend trip. Here's another layer and another question. And I think a lot
1: about my friendships with men, because one thing that breaks my heart, I have really close friendships with women. I will get to a level with my male friendships and they will they will feel a shame about having a closeness with me and they'll get it from other guys like why are you always hanging out with girls all the time it's kind of this That's this, a much
2: younger thing. Totally. Because I don't know guys in their 30s, 40s, yeah, 50s that view it that way. The healthy guys,
1: I, yeah, and I hope that that continues to diminish. But I've lost friendships with men because they feel like they're a
0: quote unquote pussy because I'm not sleeping with them. And my prime the word "pussy" in that context is is the worst. Yeah, just the fact that you can call somebody a pussy, aka like you're being a girl. Yeah, you're not being masculine mm-hmm. just for. Being vulnerable, and I, I
2: think there's a part of them that is jealous that they don't have the capacity to do that because deep down they know that's a healthy thing.
1: Yes, you have to have friendships and, with the opposite sex, with people of different ethnicities, different background. Like a well-rounded person is is someone who has. Uh, m- had experiences with a wide variety of human beings that's how right. you grow so if all you have is male friends and your only view on females is their people i sleep with that's a very fucked up headspace to be in i think a lot more men live in that and they don't even realize that that's a bad place to be in because yeah. they've been told that it's masculine.
2: And and I would in my 20s, I would have been that type of guy mm-hmm. that wouldn't have understood it because that's
1: also what culture used to be like back then. That used to be an acceptable way for people to be. Everyone's getting quote-unquote woke right now and it's a yeah. it's a good thing. But yes. I don't like this like this like oh you said an ignorant thing, you're evil. No, we are making like huge social progress right yeah. now, so we all need to be a little easier on one another about like five years ago there's certain words that we all said freely that we don't say now right it's not like it's not like you're a bad person it's just you are you're riding a wave of social progress that's happening at like a pretty rapid rate
2: and and i think the important thing is to look at someone's desire to grow and become more aware and less at Whatever the mistake was that, Mm -hmm. that they made because that is not encouraging for people. So a lot of them will clamp down on their set ways Mm -hmm. and just disregard any kind of progress that they yell at
1: me. Right. Yeah. And,
2: and, um, you know, we were talking before we started recording about, uh, the the Me Too movement and mm-hmm. one of the things that I hope comes out of it is that we look at the roots of why these people who are hurting other people have become the way they are and not mm-hmm. that you can do it to blame somebody else but to look because I have the feeling a lot of this is generational abuse or perhaps trauma that happened mm-hmm. to somebody now they were still in an adult when they chose to do these actions but mm-hmm. Let's look at the roots of this, this that makes someone more prone mm-hmm. to make that We're abusive never get down to decision it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that we can raise healthier kids and less people get hurt in the mm-hmm. future. It's, it's satisfying to our egos as a society to just disregard somebody, throw them on an island. Mm-hmm. We're never going to see them again. Mm-hmm. But deep down, they're still human beings. Some of them may have the desire or the capacity to change. Mm-hmm. And I would include myself Mm -hmm. Uh, you you know i'm not a a, a harvey weinstein Mm -hmm. but i objectify to be clear yes not (laughs) harvey weinstein yes um while our silhouettes may occasionally Uh look uh, is that a couch
1: in the corner of this room
2: (laughs) at least in my mind Uh um i am ashamed of some of my behavior when i was younger and i'm still learning and a deep fear that i have is that um I, there are people walking around who view me as a pig pig who damaged them. Mm -hmm. And there is one instance in particular where this woman said afterwards, I I felt violated Mm -hmm. by you and I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And I was someone
0: that you dated.
2: No, it was a one night stand. It was a one night stand. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I was, um, completely taken aback by it. And I apologized, Mm -hmm. uh, profusely, but I still, um.
0: Did she? It haunts me
2: Mm -hmm. that for two reasons. One, that she is, she is hurting, Mm -hmm. and then I fucked up perhaps someone's ability to be intimate or Mm -hmm. the way they look at men. Mm -hmm. And the other one is selfish, is that. How did I I not know? No even shallower than that, that someone is talking
1: about me. Yeah. Oh. See, that's another thing is the, is the, the, a lot of the male reactions I'm I'm getting is, how does this affect me and how can I get out of getting in trouble? And it's like, Oh my God, please don't focus on that. That I understand that everyone has reputations and they have to live their life. Also, like the men who are quote unquote getting in trouble. No one's getting in trouble. Yeah. No one's in jail. Rich, powerful men are I continuing would, to be rich and powerful. But, but I,
2: I disagree with the, the, the wording there mm-hmm. because the way society mm-hmm. is relishing the downfall sure. of people well, is yeah. making it in, into this class of mm-hmm. people getting in trouble. And trust me, uh, uh I believe that people who who are off the charts with the things they're doing mm-hmm. need every bit of the consequences that they are ge- mm-hmm. getting. But the relishing people's downfall mm-hmm. um, is is not. We we are not learning any potential lessons from it in how we deal yeah. with damaged people in our society and. I would love to see us find a way where people get consequences Mm -hmm. and we place the emotional health of the victims first, Mm -hmm. but we also recognize that there is a humanity underneath people who do
1: things things. that hurt people.
2: Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that is, but if we don't explore that, we're not going to improve as a society as quickly as we could.
0: Well, how did you explore it when you had that encounter with that woman? Did I, Were I, you I, able to get down to maybe where there was a miscommunication between you two?
2: She didn't want me to contact her. Really? And, and I um, felt that I had to send an email apologizing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that was a call that I made, even though she said, don't contact me mm-hmm. again um i Mel did as a
1: safer one because yeah. it's, you're yeah. not like forcing her to uh communicate with you in a way that she has to be exposed it's like you'll right. leave it there and then if she wants to engage with it she can yes yeah
2: um but yes i did try to to learn f- from that Um and i feel like the amount of work i've put into uh my support groups mm-hmm. and trying to be self-reflective and see my patterns of behavior and dealing with the shit that I experienced in trauma Mm -hmm. uh, in childhood, that that trauma that I experienced that I can now have more clarity about my beliefs in Mm -hmm. who women are, Mm -hmm. what they are capable of, et cetera, et cetera. That has changed. So I give myself credit for saying, this cannot be ignored. I need mm-hmm. to take responsibility for it. I can't change the past. But what I can do is try to see that I'm not that that person anymore. But there's a fear in me that I am still more of that person than I think I am. Mm-hmm. And that's the mean voice in my head. But I'm not always sure that that,
0: mm-hmm. that there
2: isn't some truth to that. That I am still. Um, there's a pig part of me mm-hmm. left. And huh. that's brings me shame it makes me feel kind of uh scared Mm -hmm. and and maybe that contributes to me being comfortable sitting on my couch
1: well here's the thing too is that everyone everything i I, i'm learning a lot about um a, a friend of mine interviewed someone who who did a dissertation on sexual assault and um I sat in the interview because I was really curious about it. And I'm like, what exactly? Because I can't fathom that. I've also like been socialized and raised in a female perspective. Mm-hmm. We don't really <laughs>
0: We're not grabbing ass.
1: We're not grabbing ass. We we are capable of other ways of damaging people that sure. are
0: <laughs> with emotions, pretty
1: Machiavellian, high level shit.
0: manipulative.
1: Oh yeah. So I'm not saying women are angels, but it, it, this is just a way that I I'm not familiar with it at all, so I'm curious about it. And the woman the woman who was interviewed said that men are not, again, it goes back to this, men it, it men are told that be, emoting is unattractive and doesn't conform to their gender. It's not something that you should be doing. Mm-hmm. You should be keeping everything together. Don't be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Don't be crying. Don't, my dad used to say, don't make a scene when I would cry. It is viewed as like an outburst and it's unattractive. So they have these emotions. There's no where to place it a lot of the ways like people say that women are emotional men are emotional but their emotions usually come out in anger because that's mm-hmm. acceptable male emotion anger is one of the ways that it is you can still maintain masculinity mm-hmm. but you can release the hellstorm of whatever the fuck is happening below mm-hmm. the surface but
2: there's no growth in no, it no
1: anger is a, a like it's like a level 1 <laughs> Emotion. Yeah. Total
2: lizard brain.
1: Total lizard brain. But if that's your, so if that's your only, um, output level is being angry, then, the other way to emote as a man is to have sex. They, like, yes. they get relief from sex. It validates their ego. They're connecting with another person, but they're also remaining this, like. There's mm. power too. Yeah, There's a power I was just dynamic. just going to say,
2: there's totally. a sense of control.
1: Exactly. So it's, if you're too it, it, a very basic, not super emotionally involved or nurtured man, if your two paths to finding relief in this world are anger and sex, rape to you, is almost, like, cathartic. And that seems fucking crazy to me, but they don't, they're not, they feel as if, I think You're a lot
2: of... You're talking predatory males or all males?
1: Uh, Predatory males. Okay, because I was going to say... Yeah. I, no, no, yeah, of course okay. you don't, but I'm saying on a, on a base level, an uninvolved predatory male who's maybe come from an abusive home, whatever, mm. like, is it only at a certain level rape to them is, seems like a release. They don't even really view the woman as a part of the equation. And I think not the uh, human part, not the, the hum- woman. Yeah. It's like, I can't, I'm overwhelmed. The testosterone is going. Mm. I I can't.
0: I can't talk about anything. I, I can't... It's probably like uh, when you're feeling so many emotions that you just burst out crying. Like yes. Like you can't control it. You can't control like no matter rape where you are. Rape is crying. Yeah. <laughs> it is.
2: Yeah. It having is. a good a,
0: rape. A, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> it, it is. Uh, I believe, you know, obviously, you know, it's a form of violence. It's, it's sure. not a reflection of horniness, mm-hmm. but it is how... Some people deal with it's a pain. power outlet it 's mm-hmm. how they deal with pain
1: mm-hmm. and and I think I had never considered that. I always viewed rape as like this really kind of malicious evil, evil thing, and I think that 's where we go wrong is that we like you said, we put this person in a corner they're a pig they 're rapist they 're evil they 're separate from us they 're not even like human. they need to be kept in cages and a sequestered away from mm-hmm. society. We have to acknowledge our past as human beings where we come from our biology how we're socialized like it's not so simple and it's it's i'm not saying that these men are right but i'm saying like we have to figure out we have to understand what itch is being scratched by that type of behavior because if we don't
0: and yeah and to know how to Prevent that kind of um, limitations with your emotions. Yeah. That would make somebody want to do that. Mm-hmm. I, and a lot of that ties back into what our idea of being masculine is, what men are, how men are allowed to act or express themselves. Mm-hmm. I, um, my, my dad is, um, the best. He's the best. <sighs> he's the best. And this is a, this story reflects very well on on him, but um, his his long term girlfriend. I think she was raised by well, she was raised by immigrants, and I think there was some you know serious confusion over like what makes somebody a man and Mm -hmm. how men should act and all of that. I think a lot of like machismo type shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think probably within the family. And so, um, in many ways, she's a very evolved person and, and well-educated, but I think some of that stuff stuck. Um, and and they were, they were on a drive, um, and they were on the highway and my dad's girlfriend said to my dad, About my brother, did you ever wish that he was a more masculine boy? Like, did you ever wish that your son was more manly? My brother has never been into playing sports. He didn't like, um, you know, a, a lot of that, like, stereotypical. He doesn't like watching sports or playing sports. Like, that's really... That's the, and he's also like very um, super sensitive. Sensitive, um, very. he's very like touchy, huggy, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I, I could see, I could see how somebody would say that. But that said, there's not just one way to be masculine. Mm-hmm. I think that's so limiting, and I can't believe that somebody her age would think that. It's so strange to me because even at a at a base level, my brother, um, he he's very technical. Mm-hmm. He loves uh, you know, he video games him. and computers and yeah. he's a um, good provider,
1: he has a great job. Yeah, he's, he's very
0: um um protective. He's always been so protective of me and my sister. There are just so many ways that I He is masculine. He is masculine. Mm-hmm. So anyway, when she said this to my dad, my dad got so mad that mm. he pulled over to the shoulder of the highway and he said never say that it- first of all no I never wish that my son was different mm. and never say that to God. me again Such dad wow. energy? Mm-hmm. but I'm sure there are lots of men who would be really disappointed if their sons didn't like sports mm-hmm. you know if she thinks oh, yeah. that then there are probably oh, a absolutely. whole slew of people who would be deeply disappointed
2: absolutely and um I can tell you from and I'm sorry I keep talking about my no. support groups but it's such an important part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um I go to a men's only uh support group meeting once a week mm-hmm. and these are some of the most alpha guys that mm-hmm. you have ever met. Yeah. Prison tattoos, um you know, muscular yeah. um successful some not successful but putting their lives back together yeah and we cry yeah in front of each other oh yeah we crack dirty jokes we hug each other we tell each other i love you Mm -hmm. and this it this has been college for me yeah in what a man is and when i go to another support group that i do for intimacy struggles and it's a mixed meeting uh,
0: mixed men and women
2: men and women yes mm. um no dead people and alive <laughs> all people. different races we they, do they mm-hmm. don't there's no yes. segregation yes. in this meeting um i always hear uh, women who are new mm-hmm. to the group express amazement that there are men who are vulnerable mm-hmm. and can cry mm-hmm. uh in front
1: mm-hmm.
2: of anybody mm-hmm. and I forget that because my life is surrounded. I don't really tolerate people in my life or am not interested in being around people that can't have uh, something better than a surface conversation or open about what's going on. So I forget that some people have never come across a guy Mm -hmm. that...
1: And they're like, this guy's crying and then uh, inviting me to his house in Montauk for the weekend. <laughs> is he gay or am I in love? I don't know what to do. Yes. Or both. Or both. God, <laughs> please let me marry a gay man. <laughs> so clean. I
0: would yes. love to marry
2: <laughs> And I also hear some some women say that while they love having that part of a guy that sexually they are not attracted to yeah, that part of the guy. And sometimes they just want, you know, to, to, to be, be fucked bent over a counter.
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: Well, because that's, and, and I, I talked, I talk at length with my mom about this situation because I love feminine men. I am like, I date men who look like more attractive women than I am. Like, mm-hmm. I almost think I'm trying to date a woman in a men, in a man's mm-hmm. shell in a lot of ways. Um, but my, my mom always places premiums. And I think it's her generation. She places, places premiums on, they are they taller than you? Are they traditionally handsome? Do they have a good job? Are they going to take control? Are they going to take care of you? I like to be the partner in control. And it's always been that way with me. Mm-hmm. And she is deeply confused by that because, because she thinks, how can you feel... A sexual attractive attraction to someone who isn't your caretaker, who isn't mm. the one who's laying down the Protecting law.
2: Protecting you yeah. and being the alpha, being the leader.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's a, I think it's a generational thing. And I think each, I hope that each generation moves away from that because, uh, but on the flip side as
2: the only choice because if that's somebody's choice of what turns right, them on exactly. I'm not talking about in having a partnership no, with somebody but if that's your turn on yeah. is that I always want him to initiate totally. and I like feeling submissive uh, that's great sure. I don't think that's something that needs yeah. to be eradicated yeah, but
1: it's probably Can't be the only like, model but,
2: but it's if it's the only a- model in view of what a man can be that's toxic yeah. yeah
0: but it's a real chicken egg situation because you don't know if you have just been socialized to like that or crave that.
2: I don't believe that you can ever be socialized into what turns you on. I believe that that is something that is based in your experience.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, A personal
2: experience um, or a genetic thing. I don't believe that that messages can.
0: can, But don't you think it it could be based in your experience of uh, what you saw when you were young? So if you saw your father being the sole provider then that's what you would yes and that could be linked to yes ideas about that that i agree
2: with but i thought you were talking about you know what you see in movies or whatever yeah
0: no i just mean like somebody telling you and communicating to you from a very early age that that's what That is attractive, right? Yeah, I guess
2: one of the things that I've learned in doing the podcast a a portion of the podcast is people filling out surveys anonymously answering some really really personal questions Mm -hmm. and one of the things I've discovered is that there is a link with many many people between really emotional things that happen to them. during either childhood or adolescence, and what turns them on. Of course. And and the thing that I see the most often is the thing that we are the most anxious about Mm -hmm. is the thing that turns us on Mm -hmm. the most.
1: Trauma gets us wet. It it is
2: a turbo charge for an orgasm. And I, I could give you hundreds of examples Mm -hmm. where it is here's the one that i think is is the most uh clear Mm -hmm. and i see versions of this all the time this guy when uh he was a boy had a uh babysitter female babysitter who had red hair and uh she was like 16 he was like 8 and she would make him finger her and the only thing that he can come to is pornography where fingers are being inserted to a vagina with red hair
0: wow uh, yeah that's a pretty one-to-one
2: yes yeah cause but, and effect but, um i see often uh people who are um feminists mm-hmm. um, it's super important to them and the only thing that really gets them off is uh, rape fantasies and they feel like that takes away from mm-hmm. what they are Yes. I, they they feel like it's a comment on their character. And one of the messages I try to get out on the podcast is it is not a reflection of who you are. In fact, oftentimes it can be a reflection that this is – you are the opposite yeah. of what it is that turns you Cause, on. Because
1: turn-ons are often also taboos, too. They're often yes. linked to taboos. So it's like yeah. – If you have, or also like my experience, I have a a lot of experiences with people who have fetishes and like their fetishes are wildly unconventional in the bedroom, but they're not carrying that out in their day-to-day life. They're very reasonable people, but... For one reason or another, this set of circumstances is what really pushes them over the edge sexually. Doesn't mean that they're a pervert or a freak. Right. It's just it's like... It's what you do with it. Yeah, of course. And I, I think going back to the the feminist point of view too, it's like I'm trying to... Right now I'm trying to untangle myself from it a little bit because I try to watch porn less now because I find porn is really violent. Like across the board, it seems to be getting more and more it really yeah, does. violent. Yeah. It's, it's very choking, BDSM, the woman is treated, is defiled and mm-hmm. that's kind of like the standard. There are parts of that to me that are hot and I cannot deny that, but I need to step away from it So that when I have sex with people, I'm like, am I doing this because I do like it? Or am I doing this because porn is like this? And I think this is what men want. And this is, I think, what I want. I I, I think I'm like, I think it's going to take me years to really know how much of this has been just conditioned and how much is really what I want. I don't know.
2: To me, the answer is in how much does it turn you on? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if... Your arousal tells you Mm -hmm. what is important to you. I've never been aroused by what somebody else is aroused by. Now, it can be pleasurable to me being with a woman... And indulging her in her fantasy, mm-hmm. yeah. That, but that more is arousing to me emotionally than because it is physically. F-
1: turning her on, yeah. I think maybe I'm, f- I am less so faking it now with men. I used to be like, I like this. This seems to be the style that you guys like, and that society. And now I'm like. Okay, I'm gonna stop faking it and actually see what I like. The you're matri- like
0: uh, you're like Julia Roberts in Runaway Bride how, when she discovered what kind of eggs she liked because she was just saying that she liked the style of eggs that all her past lovers liked, mm-hmm. yes. and it turned out she only likes eggs Benedict. <laughs> I don't want to be punched in the face anymore. Yeah, you want I, you want Benedict? Benedict turns you on.
2: I have been so uh, illuminated in many areas of sexuality, especially, uh, women's sexuality in reading these surveys. And the one that surprised me the most was how many women enjoy degrading
0: mm-hmm.
2: porn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think so many people would be shocked to know that obviously not women who are turned on by that, but perhaps other women who've never had that conversation with someone mm-hmm. else or men. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so, Important, I think, for us to destigmatize whatever it is mm-hmm. that turns us on because the shame about that uh, bleeds into so many other areas of our lives we it affects our self esteem and if we 're not harming anybody, it can actually br- be something that brings you closer together with a partner because you yes. 're letting him see that deepest, deepest part of yourself mm-hmm. and that 's one of the things that fucked me up about that breakup I had was mm-hmm. I showed all parts of me Mm -hmm. to this, to this person. Mm -hmm. And while degradation porn isn't something that turns me on, Mm -hmm. there are other things I have that, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. turn me on. And I indulged her Mm -hmm. in her things. And Mm -hmm. one of them was the the, the degradation Uh thing. And, um, and she indulged me in mine, and after she broke up, I felt like somebody had a nude picture of me, yeah and Other soul though, yeah, like a really <laughs> yes. unflattering Aww. nude picture of me, yeah, and just the feeling of that being out of my control um yeah. it it I wanted to know, did you break up with me because. Why did you break up with me? Yeah. Am I gross? Yeah. Is it, are you, Or are you just emotionally unavailable? Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. And I'll never get that answer. And that really haunted me for a yes. long time until I had to just keep telling myself every day what other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah. All you have yeah. control over is the way you treat other people.
0: Yeah. Or maybe leave her a voicemail. Send her a text. <laughs> you know? I
2: did leave a voicemail, and she didn't call me back. But one of the things that she had told me, she was a total love addict. And I saw the red flags, but I told myself it was you a parade. You ran, yes,
1: ran through it. Yes, ran
2: through it. But she said, when I'm done with a guy, I just cut it off. Mm-hmm. I don't. And so she did that to me, and I... I understood it, but I guess I thought I was different.
1: We all do, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and
0: we have come full circle. I know I what think. a beautiful encapsulation of <gasps> human relationships. Yes. Yeah. I Is knew Paul would get deep here? with us. I feel like it's hot <laughs> mm-hmm. on our way over.
1: We're like we usually do uh, pretty extensive research on our guests, which we did. But like usually, we kind of come up with like, okay, if they're not ready to emote with us, or or they're gonna, <laughs> okay. they're not gonna be able to come on our level. We need to come up with some points, and we were like. Paul's going to be able to get mm-hmm. Paul's got points. <laughs> Paul's, Paul's going to jump right... Paul's pretty pointy. ...the fuck in <laughs> with us. And we appreciate it so much. Yes. This is a wonderful conversation. And
2: uh, I'm so glad that you guys gave me an episode of my podcast... Yes. From, yes. ...from doing this. This is, to me, like what a great podcast episode mm-hmm. is, is just a conversation yeah. and people getting vulnerable. Yeah, totally. And,
0: Paul, uh, Paul's podcast is called the mental illness happy hour. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming people can download that wherever podcasts are. Yeah. Available? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
2: your guys podcast is called uh hot mess, mm-hmm. the and, hot
0: mess comedy hour. And,
2: um, thank you guys so much for, uh, this awesome conversation. Thank
0: Thanks you. for joining nice. us. It's, it's a, a comedy, comedy podcast. podcast.
2: And, and now let me introduce you guys okay. for my yes. uh, podcast um, yes. and give me your full names.
1: Oh,
0: Andrea. I love yeah. that
2: we know all this shit about uh-huh, each other. And I'm like, and who, who, and are who are you? What's, this in is
0: a, what's in a name? Why are you in
1: my house?
2: This is like an emotional one night stand. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This
1: is what it's like. Uh, Andrea Allen. Okay. Yes. Emily Lubin. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: I am here with uh, Emily Allen.
1: Andrea <laughs> Allen. Emily <laughs> Lubin. Don't I, worry about it.
2: I am here with Andrea Allen mm-hmm. and Emily Lubin, and they do the Hot Mess Comedy Hour. Mm-hmm. And we had originally uh, thought we were going to do two separate episodes: me being on their podcast and then then being on this one. And our conversation was just so nice and back and forth. Uh, we have decided to just release this
1: mega episode yeah
2: Uh,
0: collaboration collaborative
2: one so what you're seeing is uh uh what what would they call this in broadcast tv a crossover
0: yes yeah like um like when urkel was on step by step Mm -hmm. yes she (laughs) always has great references they
1: always come way out of left field and you're like where is this oh wow (laughs)
2: Really enjoyed talking to them. Uh, be sure to check out their podcast, the Hot Mess Comedy Hour, and uh, we'll put the links to all their stuff, their social media and the podcast and uh, all that will be in the show notes for uh, for this episode. This episode is sponsored by When Breath Becomes Air. When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi is the exquisitely observed memoir of an idealistic young neurosurgeon attempting to answer the question, what is When Breath Becomes Air is available wherever books are sold. Learn more at prh.com/breath.
0: Delve into the Shadows of the Mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective. Unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall, uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com/wandery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com/wandery.
2: Let us dive into some surveys. This is from the the brand new survey ask Paul anything, filled out by a guy who calls himself fan of, you know, And he writes, what specifically did your mom do that made it emotional incest? What kind of abuse did you face with her? Um, As far as the emotional uh, incest, I would say, you know, one of the bigger things was probably starting when I was seven or eight years old, uh, I kind of became her therapist. Uh, She would break down and cry about her marriage and how she wanted to leave my dad and you know, I and how she wanted to leave all of us, and you know, I felt like it was upon me to to save her. Essentially, shared a lot of stuff that a parent should not be sharing with a uh, child. Um, kind of put her emotional needs first, and then there were a lot of physical boundaries uh, crossed that were what would be considered covert sexual abuse taking my temperature rectally till I was 8 years old and it just always felt like there was some ulterior motive and i eventually asked her why are we still doing it this way she didn't do it with my uh, with my brother uh, and it took me years to you know there was there i was shamed uh, or chided at the very least if i wanted to uh, cover up around her um yeah there a whole list of things but yeah I I hope that answers the uh the question there's a great book that I plug all the time about covert incest called silently seduced by uh, Kenneth Adams and that he's the guy that coined the term uh, si- uh covert incest highly recommend it if you feel like you grew up in an environment where there weren't a lot of boundaries and the needs of the of the parent came first or you felt like you were treated as a spouse um, another thing that she, that she would do probably until my 20s she would grab my butt and tell me how attractive I was when I would pick up the phone she would say hello Mr. Gilmartin this is Mrs. Gilmartin um, yeah it was and, and my mom is not a bad person that, that's something that I feel like it's important to say uh, because it was a very complicated relationship. I don't have contact with her today and it's not because of what she did. It's because she cannot or will not uh, respect the boundaries that I try to set today and I had to do it to to save my own mental well-being. I didn't want to have to cut contact but uh, I I did and uh, there are a few things uh, that I am Is torn up about as having to cut my mom uh, out of my life, but I had to. I had to. So I hope that answers your question. This is from the Back in Time survey filled out by Mariana, and she writes, I would go back to when I was eight, when I first began hating myself and my shyness. I would tell myself that although I don't see it yet, being shy is a gift in and of itself that I shouldn't fight it, and certainly should not hate myself for it. I would try to explain that my shyness is a manifestation of me trying to protect myself, and that is nothing to be ashamed of. I would try to explain that my early childhood experiences made me feel unsafe, and that it was out of my control, but that I should trust myself and listen to my body. I would also tell myself not to fear animals, that fearing them is a waste of time, that animals can be loving and affectionate and are rarely as dangerous as I perceive them to be. Any comments to make the podcast better? More interviews with dogs. Couldn't agree more. They always bail on me at the last minute, though. And then I go to confront them, and uh, they just want their bellies rubbed. This is from the FEARS survey filled out by Louisa, and she writes, One of my biggest fears is that all of my recovery has been a lie. I'm so afraid that it's true what my family says, that they don't have issues at all, but that I'm just way too sensitive and that I'm blaming my own weakness and faults onto them. My God, that is sadly so fucking common, uh, that, that gaslighting. Uh, I'm afraid that it's not actually courageous to say for the first time that my grandfather has been touching me inappropriately all of my life, but that I'm actually being cruel to a confused and well-meaning old man. I'm afraid that by saying that my dad has a mental illness and that I had a right to know that when my mental illness surfaced, I'm not actually being brave and confronting the truth so that I can finally get better, but that I'm using him as a scapegoat for my cowardice and laziness. I'm absolutely terrified that by telling my mom, whom I love so much, that she let me down when I was seriously suicidal, that I'm not actually finally standing up for myself, but I'm hurting a person I love to make myself feel superior to her. I'm so afraid that my eating disorder isn't actually a result of my trauma, but that I'm just a gluttonous pig. Most of all, I'm afraid that I'll keep lying to myself and never sincerely confront my issues. And then I'll one day project it all on my kids and mess them up in the cruelest ways while feeling entirely self-righteous. Wow. I related to so many of the things that you listed. And I think people listening do too. That mean voice in our brain, that, that thing that questions our, our instinct and our authenticity. Um, and in a way, a bit of that voice is a healthy thing to, to be open-minded and to look at things from all angles, but to come to the conclusion that these are the truths is so cruel to, to yourself. Um, there's so much healthiness that you are displaying, um, by protecting yourself as an adult, and I, th- I think it, it speaks to the voice that gets ingrained in us by emotionally stunted caregivers. Um, that mean voice is going to be there for years saying, Nah, you're just a baby. You just need to suck it up. But uh, just wanna, I just want to give you a high five for breaking, breaking the cycle. This is from the Love Survey, filled out by Tired Tater Tot, and they write, I love waking up before the alarm goes off. I love smoking a joint and relaxing when the kids are at school. I love a freshly made bed with clean sheets. I love a good laugh, the kind that makes you sound like a dying seal. (laughs) I love being able to drink my coffee while it's hot without any distractions. I love a steaming hot shower after a long day of fighting a war inside my mind. I love being able to eat food without knowing the calorie count, so I don't feel guilty for it. I love my daughter's sleepy eyes in the morning as she wakes up with an innocent smile and nothing else in the world matters. Oh, those are awesome. Thank you for those. This is from the Shame and Secrets survey filled out by a guy who calls himself extra mundane. He identifies as straight. He is... In his 40s, was raised in a totally chaotic environment, Uh, ever been the victim of sexual abuse. Stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. He doesn't elaborate. He's also been physically and emotionally abused. He writes, Dad was a violent, unpredictable, alcoholic, cluster B nightmare. I was maybe 11 or 12 and had been mowing all day with a ridiculous taped-together tiny Toro push mower. He ran up behind me to kick me in the ass, one of his favorite hobbies, caught me mid-stride and buried his steel-toe boots squarely in my balls, dropping me like a sack of potatoes right there in the yard because I wasn't, quote, mowing a straight line. Another time I was riding the dirt bike around the yard dropped it on a slick patch, and bent the brake handle out maybe an inch or so. He was always big on, if you do something, tell me. So I rode up to the house and found him wasted and swaying in the garage to show him. With my hand still on the grip, he bent it back, using my fingers as a fulcrum, breaking the ring and pinky finger on my right hand, all while staring me directly in the eyes, daring me to react. I had to sit there on the bike and silently listen to my own fingers snap. The thought of riding a motorcycle still gives me panic attacks 30-plus years later. Wow. Wow. That is heavy. Any positive experiences with the abuser? No. Darkest thoughts? Strictly ideation, but... Filing a notch between the barrels of a side-by-side 12-gauge shotgun to perfectly fit the bridge of my nose. This has lulled me to sleep on many a dark night. Darkest secrets. I was emotionally and physically abused by my last girlfriend for five years. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I'm pretty vanilla, but fantasize about being sometimes cruelly dominant. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I would love to sit my dad down and have story time, but cannot say with total assurance that I could restrain from violence. Besides, he's in his 80s now, withering away under the dark cloud of alcohol-induced dementia. He is suffering more than what I could bring by his own hand. What, if anything, do you wish for? To have money to periodically recede from society. Have you shared these things with others? I've shared them with my therapist. She is wonderful. How do you feel after writing these things down? After a year plus of an EMDR, most of these traumas are like bombed and burned out buildings. Writing them here feels like progress. It affirms that they no longer re-traumatize me. It's like I'm leaving part of the rubble behind. Thank you for that. What, if anything, would you like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? You are your most powerful when you finally accept your powerlessness. Wow, dude. Dude. That is as hard as some of that stuff was to read, that that is just one of the best surveys. The the work that you've done, the clarity that you have, the the healing that you've experienced that just made me made me smile despite the the horror isn't that life in general joy despite the horror dance dancing to a song in a minor key that to me is kind of what life is Uh, This is from the Love Survey filled out by Sabrina. She writes, I love watching my cat sleep peacefully by the window uh, on a sunny day. I love listening to my favorite songs after a shitty day at work and scream singing in the car. I love how comfy and warm my bed and blankets feel in the wee hours of the morning. I love hugging my dad and I love taking off my mask after a long day of work. That's not the pandemic, that's a kabuki mask. She, she can only put in a good work day when she's dressed for kabuki theater. This is from the Shame and Secrets Survey, uh, filled out by a woman who calls herself T-Dot. She identifies as bisexual. She's in her 20s, was raised in a totally chaotic environment, uh, was the victim of sexual abuse, uh, and reported it. She writes, although it was not as bad as a lot of stories heard around the world, I like, I like how right out of the gate you minimize it by bringing the globe into it. Uh, I was in a popular chain donut business when one of the employees jumped from over the counter bear hugged me from behind so i could not move and lifted me slightly off the floor while he stuck his hand up my skirt and made his way under my bra the whole ordeal lasted about 30 seconds before i kicked him in the shins and broke free it took me a while to process what happened let alone tell police luckily it was caught on camera holy fuck Holy fuck. Wow. She's been emotionally abused. I grew up in the middle of a feudal divorce with two narcissistic parents. I call it a 15-year custody battle between edge lords. I'm not sure what that means edge lords. Any positive experiences with the abusers? They're my parents, of course. It's complicated. Deepest darkest thoughts. That's a hard one. I keep this pretty light because of all the crazy that has followed behind me. A feeling I held on to before meeting someone who means the world to me was just the feeling to run away from my life. Darkest Secrets. Post assault I fell into a spiral of very quote different, at least for my own behavior, uh, behavior. I started selling shots at a strip club when I was eighteen and found a love for cocaine. One night, this guy took me back to his apartment where we were meeting his friend named John. Oh, how stupid I was. John, a 50-plus-year-old man, took me to a shady hotel where we did coke and I avoided touching him. We then left that hotel and he took me back to some townhouse with no furniture where he was going to pay me. I got away with not having to do anything for the money, but I got really afraid and paranoid that something bad was going to happen. I screamed at him to pay me and let me go. He jumped in front of the door, and I grabbed a taser from my bag and threatened him with it. I was able to get out and go home. Only three people know that story. I got $1,500 for doing coke with an old guy, and I didn't even have to let him touch me. It took a while to not feel completely disgusted with myself. Wow. And it's amazing, too, how, you know, when, when we don't want to look at the effects of something on us emotionally, we'll look at the the surface things like the fifteen hundred dollars, or you know, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. Instead of the the issue of this guy standing in front of the door. Yeah. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Well, I fantasize about being watched, and I don't share that one often. My boyfriend made a comment that I might like it, I guess after I said some things alluding to the fact that I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Everything else I'm pretty open with. What, if anything, would you like to share with someone you haven't been able to? I want to tell my dad... He's a prick for having so many kids and only trying to give a shit because the women in his life force him to. But then I remember he's only human and I let go and try to smile and thank my stars that I don't have it worse. What if anything do you wish for? I have lots of regrets, but a future wish would be to have stability in a career where I can express myself through my art. Have you shared these things with others? Some of these things I've shared, but not everything needs to be heard. How do you feel after writing these things down? Fantastic. Sometimes I feel like my inner monologue is silenced by me distracting myself from bad feelings for so many years. To write it down makes me actually defrost my brain and get that voice back. Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experience? Everyone says to not let trauma define you but I feel like it's healthy to let trauma define you so long as you are able to see yourself in a positive light. I spent so long looking at the bottom of my shoe and seeing my own reflection because of what other people and I had put myself through. You create your own destiny and the ride can be positive if if you're willing to learn and roll with the punches. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that stuff. Um it's amazing the the breadth of experiences that get shared through the surveys and and what the the guests share on the podcast um and the other thing that amazes me too is how similar our inner lives are, even though our outer lives are so drastic, there are so many things that are common that we're all battling, anxiety, you know, fear of making mistakes, fear of being rejected, fearing that our authentic selves were, were not enough, that we're never going to get better, that we've blown it, that it's too late. But thank you for all of that. This is an awfulsome moment filled out by I Bought Stock in Rubber Chickens. And he writes, I cringe a bit every time someone other than myself touches my laptop or phone. If they knew how many times I've used those devices to look up horny son helps drunk mom to bed porn, I'd be truly and thoroughly embarrassed. (laughs) That's such a specific search. Horny son helps drunk mom to bed. It's amazing how, you know, we have a specific fantasy, but. You know, often it's tied around the facial expression that the person has or a specific context that it needs to be in. Thank you for that. This is from the back-in-time survey filled out by Plant Destroyer. Uh, They identify as non-binary, and they write, I would go back to myself at 13, just about to start secondary school, and tell myself I have ADHD and am non-binary. Give myself the courage to self-advocate and get the support I need and live authentically before my life goes to shit. Thank you for sharing that. I really hope... Our society can get to a place where non-binary people can feel more comfortable navigating society. There's so much prejudice and the suicide rate among people in the trans community is so, so high. This is from the Fears survey filled out by G. And uh, she writes, I fear being a letdown and a burden. I'm 37, almost 38. I teach high school and I'm taking grad classes to be a mental health counselor. I have two small kids and a husband who depends on me financially. He works, but adjunct faculty doesn't make much money. As I get closer to my career change, I fear having to quit my current job and therefore burden my family financially. We already barely survive paycheck to almost paycheck, and if I quit teaching, To intern as a counselor, we will be so screwed. I will have let them all down and would be proven to be selfish. If I just keep a a job sucking the life out of me, at least we will have the money to get by daily. I fear I am an imposter with how much people think I have it together when I am truly just a mess hiding behind my screen and my fake customer service voice. And in parentheses, smile as you speak is the trick. And then they all will, and do, think my life is together. Post a picture of my dinner at an angle, naturally filter my dark circles out, and post pics of smiling kids. No one will be the wiser. If they found out I am a faker, will they still like me? Thank you for that, and, and kudos on uh, taking that brave step to become a counselor. Um. Uh, my heart goes out to people that are that are struggling paycheck to paycheck. I mean I, I think so many of us experience uh, financial fear, but the, the, the fear of not knowing if the rent or the mortgage payment is is going to come together every month that that has to be so taxing. And the imposter syndrome. oh man. That's what Facebook should just be called. This is from the fear survey. This might be my favorite name ever. Filled out by a woman who calls herself Lumpy Space Pig. That needs to be the name of a band. Uh, And she writes, I fear that my mom has given up and I don't know what to do or say to help her. I fear that she and my aunt and sister, who all live together, are feeding off of each other's depression and codependency. None of them are working, and they are not great with the money they do have. I fear that they will have to move out and have nowhere to go, and it will be up to me to help with that problem. That is such an important topic the dysfunctional family that we feel responsible for. You know, and it would be different if they were senile or literally unable to take care of themselves, but, you know, enabling somebody or feeling like we're responsible for somebody who's entirely responsible for getting their own shit together. It's so difficult to navigate. And it's so easy to see in somebody else's experience, but so difficult to see in our own because we don't want to see the people we love in pain. But we resent them for not getting their shit together. You know, a support group for some codependency might might be a good a good call. I bet it could help you. One of the things that I do when I'm being codependent is I imagine the, the roles being reversed. And I say, would I expect this person you know, to, to come be my savior? And the answer is almost always no. And finally, this is from the happy moments filled out by Adidas, who is gender fluid. And they write, I met my sister for the first time in six months, just having come out to her She luckily was in town and told me to come over whenever I could come. I came the following evening. I came in the door and was greeted by the biggest, warmest, most comforting hug of my life. It was so validating and to not even have to say anything, to feel truly loved and seen and accepted. We went into the kitchen and she opened a fridge to reveal an attempt at a freaking rainbow cake. She had made a deliciously cute rice crispy marshmallow cake covered in pale icing with colorful sprinkles all around and told me all about her brave attempts and future more structured attempts we could try together. I was filled with such overwhelming joy and just pure emotion that someone cared enough to go out and buy stuff to make a cake that she knew I would love. Especially since I had been very casual about it and she had understood how much it meant and basically made me a private coming out party. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. Thank you for, for sharing that. I just love hearing moments of acceptance where they're at, somebody sharing about their struggle with a mental illness or being non-binary or whatever, whatever it is that they're afraid of being judged by or they're struggling and feel alone with. I just love it when somebody, somebody comes and sees them and validates them. And if you're out there and you're feeling stuck, uh, you're not alone. You're not alone. And thanks for listening.
0: Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. Everybody up in up in I know is weird ways bizarrely with. beautifully, fucked up, bizarrely way. beautifully fucked up in some weird way. <laughs> <laughs>